It's time for Twit This Week in Tech. We have a great panel for you. Daniel Rubino is here from Windows Central. Brand new, but he's going to be great. I know it. David Pierce, you hear him on The Verge cast. He's editor-at-large at The Verge. And, of course, Father Robert Ballas there is in studio. Brought some wonderful toys and gadgets from CES. This Week in Tech is next. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twit, This Week in Tech, episode 962, recorded Sunday, January 14th, 2024, CES Recap. Our show today brought to you by Thinkst Canary. You know what a canary is? Well, you know what a honeypot is, right? Canaries are honeypots, like your canary in the coal mine, but unlike traditional honeypots, don't require a lot of technical skill or, or, or programming ability to, to implement. These can, canaries can be deployed in minutes. But what's beautiful about these is if there is someone in your network, whether it's an insider or an intruder, you will know. You get just the alerts that matter. If someone's accessing your lure files, you could put lure files, little tripwires all over your network. Or brute forcing your fake internal SSH server. Yeah, the canary can imp- impersonate anything, including an SSH server, a Windows box, a Linux box. It could be a SCADA device if you want. And if And if it gets hit, It'll tell you immediately you've got a problem. No false alerts, just the alerts that matter. You choose a profile for your Canary device, dozens to choose from. You, in fact, and really authentic, I mean, down to the MAC address. I have mine set up as a Synology NAS. It has a Synology MAC address. It has exactly the DSM-7 login page. So an intruder is not going to know the difference, except that when they log in, you're going to get the information. And you'll see it on your hosted console. You can you get that with your Canary purchase for monitoring and notifications. And then, you know, you set it all up. You get it just right. You put those lure files, the, the spreadsheet files that say payroll information or passwords. Let them lie around on your system. And then you wait. Attackers who breached your network, malicious insiders, adversaries of any stripe, make themselves known the minute they access your Canary. And you get the messages that matter in the way you want. Email, text, syslog, webhooks, slack, how, whatever you like, Canary will let you know. Visit canary.tools slash twit. Uh, we have a Canary here. We love it. But I'll give you an example, uh, an idea of the pricing. For 7500 bucks a year, you'd get five Canaries. And that includes your own hosted console. You get upgrades. You get support. You get maintenance. These Canaries are written to be absolutely secure because the people who design these are people who train governments and companies on how to break into systems. They know. They know how to secure this stuff. And if you use the code TWIP, by the way, when you get your canary, you put that in the How Did You Hear About Us box, 10% off forever, for life, as long as you have them. You can always return your canaries. They've got a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's how confident they are. And I have to tell you, as long as we've been talking about them, more than a decade, no one has ever asked for a refund. Because these things work. You need it. Canary.tools slash twit. Use the offer code twit in the how did you hear about us box. You must have them. If you've got a network, you need some canaries. Canary.tools slash twit. We thank them so much for their support of this week in tech. It's time for twit this week in tech. This is the annual Day after CES edition, which means crazy times. Let me introduce our panel for you. Daniel Rubino is here, editor-in-chief at Windows Central. He was in Las Vegas this week. He also thinks he might have COVID. But don't breathe on me and we'll be fine. Hi, Daniel. 
You're feeling okay, Hello, right? Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're feeling all right. Uh, yeah, just a little, just tired. Just yeah, tired. well, that's so. normal after CES. I'm, I, I'd sleep for five days. No sore <laughs> yeah. throat, no, because uh, that's the other oh, thing. Oh, no, I've had a head cold. Yeah. So I had a head cold going in oh, God. to it. And yeah. then it got a little bit better, but then the dry air made it oh, worse. Man. And then I, I swear it got worse when it came on. So either I got two rhinoviruses or one COVID. I don't know what I'm collecting <laughs> it these days. So. You know, if you get an ace, you get 21. So that's that's good. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, I think that's, that's how it works. It's great to see you, Daniel, as always. We've got somebody brand new with us, and I'm thrilled. Long been a fan of David Pierce. He was at the Wall Street Journal. He was at Protocol. He's at the uh, at Verge. He's the editor at large there and the host of the Verge, one of the hosts of the Verge cast. Great to see you. Thank you for joining us, David. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Comparatively, I feel like I'm doing much better than everybody. I how, just how I, long I, I did all Vegas? my sickness in December, so oh. I'm good. I was there Monday to Friday. I did a red eye home on Thursday, which is both a terrible idea and also a terrific pro tip this year because uh, it turns out flying is not so great this year yeah all the airplanes are bad and so yeah I heard a lot of horror stories getting home from ces yeah, this but, year. but your door didn't go flying off you miraculously know, no all the parts of the plane intact yeah i'm not sitting in an exit row ever again that's all i'm gonna say uh well it's great to have you welcome and i'm gonna get from Thank both you. of you your ces experiences also with us in studio at arm's length Father Robert Palace here, the digital Jesuit. Hi, I, I don't yet have COVID, but I am trying to collect all the variants because I've got a bingo <laughs> card and I'm pretty good. I've only had it three times, so, you know. Really? Have you had that? I've had it three but times. But now you live in Rome in the I Vatican, do. I do. Uh, in Vatican City, uh, and you, there have been epidemics it's in bad. Italy. No, it's right now bad. it's bad. Um, yeah. So I actually received an email this morning from uh, one of my brother Jesuits, and he said, you may want to just delay. Don't like come home. Two weeks. Just <gasps> wait a bit. Oh man, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, as as tradition holds, you brought back a bunch of stuff. Some toys, you know, from CES. Just a few of the things. Can, that, I, ask, uh, I, can I ask you a question? Do you, when you go onto the show floor, do you wear your collar? I do not. Because I would think that would be how you would get all this stuff. No, no, no. I, I'm always very honest. I it very early on in the uh, sort of influencer generation, I was colored by a bad experience I had with. Uh, like a group of teens coming up to a booth somewhere in the South Hall. And they literally just walked up to the booth manager with a camera and said, hi, I'm on Instagram. What can you give me for free? I'm yeah. thinking, okay, no, I don't want that. I get the feeling that that's happening. Yeah, I don't think that's. Yeah. But we do have some cool stuff you can demo. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> including whatever this is. Is this gathering that's light? Solar. That's That's gathering. That's charging my little thingy right here. Is there enough light from the... the uh, there actually lights? is. This is one of those super high efficiency panels. So, oh, yeah. Right, we'll talk it. about that in a little bit. Um, let me, uh, but I'm going to actually, I'm going to go from uh, left to right here and start with you, Daniel. What, what do you think? I always wonder, is there a theme? It's really not supposed to be a theme to the Consumer Electronics Show, but there often seem to be trend lines. Did you notice any uh, this year, Daniel? I mean, from my perspective, obviously we cover, you know, Microsoft Windows and laptops, uh, AI and PC was huge this year. Like, um, you know, I've been going to CES for like a decade at this point, and the amount of new PCs and laptops, and of course, the focus on NPUs, right? That's the new buzzword with neural processing units. And what people have to understand, of course, is what was announced at CES is just laying the groundwork for what's coming later this year, right? So a lot of the work NPUs are going to be able to feasibly do don't have jobs yet, but that software will be coming 
through Windows updates and different types of software. So we're on the cusp of this like real kind of revolution with what they're calling AI PCs. And so I, I think we saw AI, you know, went from a buzzword a couple of years ago at CES where people were just kind of loosely throwing it around, using it really interchangeably with just kind of machine learning and some basic algorithms to like true kind of AI. Now, some of it was kind of junky, you know, but a lot of it is, I think, you know, the beginning of kind of a new era. Um, on that, displays, I thought were huge. A lot of advancements in modern displays this year that we saw, you know, for years, OLED, especially in gaming devices. OLED looks amazing, but the problem was it was uh, it was hard to do in high resolution while having high refresh rates. And now you can do both and still get everything all one. So you're going to be able to get these like really excellent looking panels, whether for gaming, for your laptop or whatever, without compromising uh, anymore. So that's kind of the, the big things I saw, at least from my perspective. Yeah, Alienware announced a 32-inch uh, 4K QD OLED a gaming monitor. I'm actually using that right now. Yeah, I have their <laughs> old school 55 yeah. inch uh, regular OLED monitor, which I loved. It was very expensive at the time. Um, but this is QD OLED, which means really right. bright, really nice. This is actually great for a PC, I think. Actually, let me let me ping the panel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, 11.99. Do you like the curve? Do you, I mean, because uh, I like multiple flat monitors, but I know some people really like a single large yeah. curved. What's your preference? This is a very slight curve they just kind of curve the corners a little bit just to reduce glare okay but it's not like the uh 800 and 1500 type curves the ones that like wrap around you so this is a very subtle one hp did offer um announced their omen basically the same panel that one is completely flat and that one also has a um, power delivery system in it so it's a little bit different but it's the same basically what happened was samsung made this panel right and so you're going to see a lot of manufacturers start to use this in their devices yeah i have a samsung qd i like this like curved tv at home which i really like yeah you could see it's not hugely curved although my samsung my old samsung curved tv back from the day (laughs) it's great because it catches light (laughs) all the way across it's just like a you know, one window all the way across. It's, it's perfect. It's continuous glare yeah. screen. That's, yeah. that's quite good. So yeah. when they say it reduces glare, I'm, I'm uh, maybe a little skeptical <laughs> of whether it reduces it or not. This is 240 hertz refresh, which is really nice. Actually, LG got in trouble for lying about refresh rates. Uh, Wasn't it? It's like, well, it's 240 if you alternate which eye is open. Or something. <laughs> it, it was the I reason it was a nine, 90 hertz display that because of interpolation. Right. <laughs> Kind of looked like two forty. It didn't. Anyway, they got fined. They got a big fine for that. Did you get your settlement yet? Like four dollars? Did I know? know, (laughs) Class action was fantastic. Uh, Yeah, it's interesting to see PCs kind of make a resurgence. Microsoft stopped going to CES many years Mm -hmm. ago. Um, They were there last year, but it was a small presence. It was mostly there to support OEMs. But they did have a booth on the floor. Oh, they did have a booth. Okay, yeah. Last year, this year they didn't have anything. Okay, yeah, they were absent. Uh, It's fine. Find it kind of interesting that npus are getting so much attention because historically pcs have not had neural processing whereas on the mac side uh apple put neural processors in its phone and they've been doing so for years and then when the phone chip migrated to apple silicon to the desktop they've had that for quite a while but you're right there aren't a lot of work uh flows that use neural processing on device right that's going to change are we going to use local llms is that What's going to happen? Or? That's the goal. Because right now, the problem with, you know, anyone who uses any kind of generative type technology, whether it's a chatbot or image generator, and it's online, you know that the problem is you basically need to queue up, you know, if you, especially if you're it's using slow. it for free, right? And if it is free, slow. Yeah. yeah. You queue up, you're number 50 in line, 
and then you got to wait for the the server to do its work and then you download it all that kind of stuff you're gonna be able to do all that locally pretty soon uh we're seeing a lot of these seven billion uh large language models llms being custom made for different jobs uh, i saw one demonstrated by dell for uh law and so it was basically for paralegals and it's trained in legalese basically so it knows all the language documents how to cite cite stuff how all that works and it's basically like chat gpt but it's local on your device but it can do all the stuff a paralegal is basically doing so you're going to see that's where this comes into um big time into business you're going to see these customized llms and chatbots but they can run locally and that helps reduce you know a lot of people ask like microsoft how they're going to make money off of this and all this but because a lot of it's reducing server load well, it's, that's what's interesting because Microsoft this yeah. week was briefly, like for a minute, the most valuable corporation in the world eclipsing <laughs> Apple. But the reason has to be because of uh, OpenAI, their investment in OpenAI, and the fact that even if it's not OpenAI, almost everybody's using Azure. So this has been very – AI has been good for their cloud. But if we move it all local, uh, I mean it, it saves – all local. Okay. Yeah. Training still, training still has to hybrid. be done in, in the cloud. Uh, so they'll always have yeah, training yeah. work there. Yeah. And you'll need to go to the cloud for, you know, up-to-date information. But it is a hybrid model that they're going for, which will take the server load off of Microsoft and their work. Well, yeah, um, it saves a lot of money. It'll be but, I mean, way chat, faster. Uh, open AI must be spending millions a day on ChatGPT uh, bandwidth. Right. And so, yeah. yeah, not, you know. And by the way, I have to say, I've become a big believer in these expert systems. I've created a couple of custom GPTs for myself. One for Emacs and one for Common Lisp, uh, partly because a lot of the documentation is is public domain and online and easy for me to you know uh, enter into its corpus. And it's been phenomenal. It's better than looking through books. So I really see the value for BI, for expert systems. I mean, if you're an auto repair shop, yeah. there's a there's a lot of uses for a local, especially for a local LLM expert system. A lawyer, I mean, incredible. Right? Well, Microsoft doesn't necessarily yep. have to offer it as a product. AI LLMs don't have to be a Microsoft product. They integrate it into their omni-channel offerings. And then that's where Microsoft makes a ton of money. If if they start putting this into omni-channel, into Azure services, uh, into their uh, the CRM products, that's going to be a differentiator. And they already make so much money in that sector that it makes sense. They don't have to develop an entirely new market for them to sell this. They already have customers. They can just sell more to those customers. Yeah. Well, somebody, and again, somebody has to create the model. I use, I've been using an open source uh, GPT, local GPT called GPT for all. It's an LLM that you can run locally, but you still have to download a model right. from somewhere. Right. Um, and, and I've been practicing, I st it's not as good as chat GPT yet, but I've been trying to make those local, those expert systems locally, cause that would be the ideal. And if you have an, so who has NPUs so far? Qualcomm promised, I know at their event that they would have, Qualcomm uh, definitely does. Yeah. yeah but yeah, that won't be like the middle out. of the year, they're, right? I'm yeah, I'm hearing, uh, May. May. May is when you're going okay. to start to see the first okay. laptops of these announced. So it's, it's sooner than later, which is and good. Is that, yeah, that's Qualcomm Windows on ARM, though, right? You can't. It's not yes. Intel. Yeah. Okay. You've right. also so got Hughes, you've Qualcomm, got Motorola. Yeah. Qualcomm. Yeah. Qualcomm is just like Apple, where they've been doing NPUs for a decade. So right. they have a ton of experience in this, and they're going to have some of the most powerful on PC. So you have that coming. Intel announced their uh, Meteor Lake chips, also known as the Core 7s, uh, Core Ultras. 
Um, those also ha- all have NPUs on them. AMD's new chips also have NPUs. So the benefit here is you want to flood the system basically with this hardware to have it out there mm-hmm. in all the new laptops. And then software makers can iterate on top of that and leverage that new hardware through you know APIs and everything. So that's kind of the goal. That'll take some months obviously to to work its way up but already things like microsoft studio effects which you know blurs your background does the eye gaze stuff will now be able to use your npu instead of jumping on your cpu or gpu which then saves battery life it saves processing speed you won't get as much jitteriness you get a better performance so it's really kind of a big deal you know i saw like a uh, image generator like you just type in what you want and you hit enter and within like three seconds it just generates four images instantly it's absolutely crazy how fast this stuff goes when it's local if you were buying this is gonna a, be huge for productivity if you were in the market for a new pc today would you say oh i've got to have an npu even though i don't yet have any applications that use it i made the joke on the podcast this, this comes down to how people use you know view ai and this uh generative chat systems and stuff which is a lot of people, you know, will tell me like, oh, I don't see the value in it. I I, I don't use it. I don't use Copilot at all. I use it personally all the time because I'm a very curious person. I'm, a world. I'm always now. doing research. Yeah. 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 I'm always asking questions. So I tell people like, if you use your PC for like email, porn and watching videos, you probably don't need an NPU. <laughs> like, well, you're not going to get a lot of value. Not out of for it. watching but porn, if you, but you, to if generate you, porn, an NPU is going to be fantastic. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. I, I, right, I, right. I don't think I want to train that expert system. <laughs> uh, um, no, yeah. not, I'm not okay with that. But I think, it, is but, it future-proofing in a sense to say, let let me make sure I get an NPU in here? It's Oh, yeah, it's definitely future-proofing proofing because where AI goes, we don't really know. These we are kind of open yet. systems yeah. where... The, they're flexible. I, I totally agree with Sachin Nadella, CEO of Microsoft, where he says this is like the beginning days of the Internet, where, yeah. you know, we were all around for that. You know, it was cool getting onto the web. But if you went back then and like, oh, there'd be apps like Yelp and Tinder and then there'll be Google Maps. and all, like None of those services were people were thinking about at the time. They always came later as the technology evolved. And I, we're going to see the same thing with AI where, you know, and Microsoft's going to make a big push with it this year with a, a Windows update coming later this year. Uh, that's going to weave AI through the operating system. Their search is going to be uh, contextual. It's going to be a lot smarter. And from what I understand, Copilot, one of the reasons why they went with the branding Copilot is to sort of step away from ChatGPT a little bit um, because Copilot is actually not dependent on ChatGPT. It uses it right now, but they can switch any LLM system into it that they want. In fact, from what I understand, companies and OEMs and PC makers are going to be able to integrate their LLMs through Copilot. I think the goal here is uh. for the user, so you don't have five chatbots on your computer, you just have Copilot, which will then connect into all those systems. It's an intermediate. It's like a hub for AI. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it's also a little bit like the beginnings of graphics processors for gaming, when you know gaming got moved sure. off of the CPU onto the GPU, and gaming really took off as a result. You know, And nowadays, if you're a gamer, you yep. would not buy a machine that didn't have dedicated graphics. I think one of the differences yeah. would be, though, if you, if you bought a GPU and didn't really use it for gaming until a year later, maybe two years later, that GPU is already outdated. It's not really going to be able to do what you needed to do at that moment if you buy a machine that has an npu built into it and you don't use it for a year it will still be useful in a year it will still work in a year it it may not be the fastest npu on the market but because we don't really have a defined 
use for it yet, it will it will still be a very useful piece of technology. We're we're back in the days of what was what were those first uh, graphics processor cards? Voodoo's. Oh, the voodoo. Voodoo's. <laughs> the voodoo's. We're back in the days of the voodoo. Wait, did right? you have the two? I had the, the cable. That, sure, of course, yeah, I had the SLI. <laughs> SLI, yeah. baby, all the way. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, all right, David, your ch- your chance here, your choice. You were also uh, at uh, CES. Any trends yeah. emerge for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, AI was the story. And the the one thing I will say on NPUs, and then I have I have many other uh, standards I deeply want to talk about. So get excited about web standards and device standards oh, for interoperability. It's oh, all very dear. exciting. <laughs> uh, but I think just the one thing on the NPU thing, and I think this was part of the story of CES, is that I think people hit these AI tools already more often than they think they do, right? Like, I think when we talk about AI now, we spend a lot of time talking about chatbots and like, I go to a thing and I interact with the AI. And it's dopey. And it's dopey. It's silly things. It's little Red Riding Hood made made in uh, pirate speech. It's silly toys. But that's not what this is all about. I 100%. And I'm, I'm honestly really bearish on these like gigantic chatbots being the future of the internet and you just do everything in a, in a text box with chat GPT. But the idea that like, if you use Photoshop or Lightroom, like you're interacting with these Already. kinds of AI tools Already. all day, yeah. every day yeah. now. And so I think it's, it's, there's all kinds of stuff that you can offload onto something like an NPU already that will make your computer faster. Like make a list of things that you have to sit and wait for your computer to do. And more and more of those things are going to get offloaded onto this dedicated hardware over time. Which I think is like that's the part of AI that I'm personally. Did you order a rabbit R one? Uh, I didn't, only because uh, <laughs> I have been promised one at some point in the relatively. So I read your article that, sure on January 9th, Immediately went to the website because I'm an idiot that way, and it wouldn't let me buy one. And it turns out the next day they said, "Yeah, we sold ten thousand. We sold out the first run. Yeah, that day and then another ten thousand the next day. Uh, did you play with it? I did. Uh, it was it was a weird demo. We were in a, a hotel ballroom in Las Vegas, and the Wi Fi was awful. And predictably, a device like this is mostly useless when it's not on Wi Fi. So he, Jesse, the CEO of Rabbit, was able to do a handful of things. Like there's a there's a thing where I think in the keynote that Rabbit gave, you can take a picture of Rick Astley and it will play never gonna never give, gonna you, give up. you up. So I heard him doing that demo across the room and it just starts Rick rolling him on the rabbit. Uh, but for the so most the part, idea of this was, is it doesn't, it's an AI device. It doesn't have apps built in. It goes to the cloud for everything. It has a little right. kind of dinky little camera. It's got a roller wheel. It's teenage uh, engineering design, which of course it looks like the play date or a variety mm-hmm. or their synthesizers, but it's all of its smarts are online. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, this is not a super, uh, novel idea. I mean, it, what Google Assistant or Alexa or Siri or Bixby or any of these like assistants over the years have promised to be is essentially that, right? Just sort of one interface to get things done. Rabbit's big idea is that it has built new AI tech in a new way to make that stuff work better. Uh, and I think their idea is really interesting to focus on kind of actions and actually using AI to interact with apps rather than right. just text in and text out. But that that's a that's a steep hill to climb. And uh, I think skepticism is fair. But the thing just looks nice. I just it's 199 it's just nice bucks. I thought, well, yeah. even if it's just something I'm going to end up putting on the shelf, it's probably still 
pretty cool. It'll look good on the shelf. Yeah, there there are worse things. Uh, this is Benito, by the way. First hi, of all, Benito. I, I didn't know that it was built by Teenage Engineering. That actually made made my ears. Oh, up. when I heard that, I that yeah. was when I went to That's click the button. Wanted. That's like okay. I kind of want that now. Yeah, because you know, at least the hardware is going to be interesting <laughs> be and well beautiful. designed. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah, I think the concept is really interesting. Obviously, this is the first generation of something that down the road is going to be probably uh, something we'll all have. Humane, it's like the Humane AI pin. By the way, Humane laid off 4% of its staff this that. week. They haven't even shipped, and they're already firing people, so that's not Wait, a good sign. Wait, did you pre-order one of those? No. Okay. But that's why I like this, because this was a $200 version of that $1,000 device without a subscription, by the way. Yep. Uh, you have to have a SIM card, but you don't have to have a subscription. So I thought this is... What this really is to me, it's not necessarily something I want. And eventually I did get through and I still didn't buy it. Uh, it really is a reflection, though, of what AI, how it may kind of percolate into our lives as, as an edge computing device kind of. AI is, I mean, it's not going away. It's absolutely not going away. It, I it thought for a long trend. time it was a parlor trick. I was really, I was right. not an A, I was very anti-AI. I thought, I, I thought you no, guys it's, it's smart are being thing. suckered. It's Internet of Things. Yeah. It's, it's only, yeah. But it's going to stop being what it was this year, which is, oh, come to our booth because we've got AI. It's just going to, you're going to expect Well, there was a lot of that, wasn't there? There was way too much There was a that. lot of like blockchain. We're going to oh smear a, a thin layer of AI. And, and what some of these of companies were product. trying to do with their marketing speak, and uh, we use AI to do psychoacoustic choosing of your music. I'm like, no. No, that's stop. called a program. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've had those for a while. So, David, I didn't mean to interrupt, but the, I, I, it was your fault I almost bought one of these. So I just wanted to bring, <laughs> just wanted I'm, to bring I'm okay that. with that actually and i think i mean the, the big open question about that thing for me and i'm, I'm actually curious how you all feel about this because i've been thinking about this a lot is the the big debate it brought up uh, among a lot of people is uh do we want something other than a smartphone right and i think what it essentially is is it does a subset of the things that my phone does without being on my phone right and the the two ways you can look at this device are either oh, this is lovely, thank God, I'd much rather use this than be lost in my phone all day, or why on earth do I need this? I have a smartphone, this is a waste of $200, right. this thing should just be an app. And I, I increasingly land towards, I would love to have something to play with that isn't my smartphone that is useful, but I also buy gadgets like a lunatic, so I'm, I'm not to be trusted. But I'm curious what it makes you guys feel. That's kind of my motto, I'm not to be trusted. <laughs> Don't let me on Instagram after midnight, I'm like a gremlin. And oh, it does no. So I do think, well, for instance, Meta's uh, glasses, the Ray-Ban glasses, uh, you could easily embed something like this in those. Uh, and that would be even better because I'm not now carrying something or pinning something to my lapel. Yeah. And I think that's where Meta is headed. I think oh, that, yeah. is, that is the, the roadmap of the next 18 months for those things, for sure. Completely agree. Uh, and actually, that raises the topic, which we'll save for later, of... Uh, did Meta escape from the VR hell that they were that they had created for themselves <laughs> oh, yeah. into AI? And what does that mean for Apple's Vision Pro, which will be orderable on Friday? But we'll save that for a little later on because I just don't want to stay with CES for a little bit. What else did you uh, see or what else did you note at CES? I think to me the biggest trend I took away was that uh, whether by accident or on purpose, this was a year a lot of kind of ideas came together and started to be real. Uh, like you, you talked about Meteor Lake and what Intel is up to and kind of inside that Wi-Fi 7 is starting to happen. You have the Qi 2 magnetic charging standard starting to happen. So we're getting some really interesting accessories. We have 
there's some new smart home stuff happening. Threads is getting, or Thread is getting a little better. So that Matter is getting a little better. There's new casting standards. It's like we're in this place where after two decades of everybody sort of designing their own things in their own directions, we're slowly moving back towards making gadgets work together because they should have all the time. And there was just a glimpse of a bunch of that this year in a way that I thought was very exciting, actually. I always pray for interoperability and I'm always, my hopes are always dashed. My prayers oh, are always ignored because companies don't make money on interoperability. They make money on proprietary silos, right? That's and, what- and, and yeah, and I'm sometimes I'm that cynical, but also I understand why some companies will see, okay, well, I don't want to use that connector or that protocol because I want to do this a little easier. Or I want to make this a little simpler, or I want to make this uh, a, a little bit more flexible than it is in the current standard. So, what I was very happy to see on the show floor was in the trends that I mentioned in the uh, the CES rundown that I did uh, in electrification. Which, by the way, was great. We showed it on Ask the Tech Guys. Oh, fantastic! Uh, we put it up in the club, and you have a YouTube channel. People can watch both Absolutely. part one and part two. Part coming. two, part two yeah. is coming. Yeah, yeah. But really good job on that. Uh, really incredible to, to see some of the vendors who do things like electrification who do things like house scale and RV scale and tiny home scale uh, uh, alternative power actually start to use standards again. That actually made me very, very oh, I happy. Right. I mean, that's what customers want. Right. Look at the mess we've made of messaging. Oh, my God. Uh, of home automation. I mean, even Matter couldn't get these people to agree on anything. Well, I think if Google releases one more messaging app, I think that will <laughs> that finally, fix it. finally fix it's it. It's the old XKCD yeah. standards cartoon <laughs> writ large. So um, what else, David? Give me some more. Give me some more fodder. Uh, I think... The the TV space was unusual. Oh yeah, did you? Are you going to buy a transparent TV? It looked cool. What's no. the market for that? I don't understand. Uh, dentist's office is my is my running <laughs> okay. theory. Uh, uh, you're going to go if you have that like one medical thing that you pay extra to go to a really fancy doctor's office. Yeah, they're going to have a transparent TV in like two years, and it's going to have a fish tank projected on it. Yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be sick. Those building breakfast nooks are going to be big. <laughs> well, that goes right with the suction cup TV, yep. right? <laughs> Can you have a suction cup transparent TV? Why not? I'm on. Let's go crazy. All right, let's do it. But then you can't do that you really go. cool uh, uh, raising. And I want a roll up screen. suction yeah. cup transparent TV. <laughs> Can I have that? That's just too much. It's New too much. From LG. Give LG like two more years. Too close to the sun. <laughs> did LG, by the way, did they bring the roll-up TV again? They did. If they did, I didn't see it they this did not. year. It they was, did not. It, oh, okay. For the first right. time in, you know, 60 years at CES, <laughs> there was no laundry folding robot and there was no roll-up LG <laughs> yeah, TV. the laundry. Well, that's a whole category. We've just let go by the wayside. But, but the, they know. did have a roll-up for the transparent. So they have a contrast filter that can... Roll automatically, mechanically roll up behind the transparent screen to turn it into a more to make it look TV. more like a TV, right? At which point, it's just a very expensive, that not very good TV. television. Exactly, they're just throwing yeah. stuff up against the wall, aren't they? At I mean, the that's moment, really what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But more broadly, you have things like you know micro LEDs starting to get really good. I'm OLED excited about. Okay, so like uh, we're we're in a good place. To me, micro uh, LED was going to be a big. Thing. There seemed to be some manufacturing issues. There were seams and things. So were there micro LED TVs? These are, this is the one where you can get it to infinite size, right? Just by snapping, yeah. snapping them together. Yeah, they're, they're, getting, they're getting much bigger. I think, uh, I think it was TCL in their booth made a really big deal out of 
the fact that I think it was above 98 inch TVs are the fastest growing segment sure. of TV right now, sure. which I assume means, you know, they used to sell 50 and now they sell 70. So it's like growing very fast. But, uh, with that gives you even more reason to invest in this stuff and bring it down the cost curve. And these micro LEDs are easier to make at these bigger sizes. Like there's, it's starting to look much better. The, you can get all the dimming zones you could possibly want. Uh, it's all, it's all very exciting at these, especially huge wall sized sizes there was an unfolding 137 inch micro led samsung had a transparent micro led of course sure <laughs> but i think i i thought that that was a technology that showed a lot of promise it turns out qd oled which came out last year is kind of going to continue to be the dominant best quality tv you there. still have yield problems yeah so anytime you have yield problems it's not going to be completely mainstream because you won't be able to hit the price point that you want and you won't have the supply that you need so yeah it's it, it's a very interesting product it's a beautiful product when you see it implemented did you properly. see the the samsung's transparent micro led yeah, yeah. what did it look like i kind of like kind of a hologram like did you want to say help me obi-wan can i be i really didn't no. but uh, but i mean I, I they were hyping it up that this is lifelike imagery and i'm thinking i think we already had lifelike imagery i yeah. get this is more vibrant this is brighter it's it's, it's a dentist's more office detailed. no you're right yeah this is for your oncologist yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you watching at your oncologist's office? <laughs> no, this is just so they can say, I'm sorry, you have cancer, but look at our TV. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It's a beautiful TV. Isn't this also a step towards making your like windshield a HUD? That's where I would actually like to see transparent. Yeah. I have uh, a heads up display in my new car and it's great. I like having, but you don't want it in front of you. But that's projecting, you. right? It's projecting. No, it's like, a little imagine hole the, the, the windshield itself was a TV. I don't know if I want that. I want to see what's going on while I'm driving. I mean, yeah. what's your car self-driving? The bigger thing I think these companies are desperately trying to figure out is how to make your TV look less like a TV. Uh, yeah. Like the, the fact that Samsung's frame has been so popular, I think is really telling. Yeah. Um, and Neil Patel, our editor in chief and, and my boss, he just bought a new house and bought a Samsung frame and just won't stop talking about it because it's like not a very good product. But what it is, is how annoying you turn it is off, that, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> they, I know Neil very well. Neil has been a longtime friend, so I can make fun of him. Uh, it's, yeah, like, they, it's like that vegan friend who talks always about being a vegan. So the Samsung frame is the So this is for people who are tech. embarrassed to have a television. It turns it into art until you want to watch, you know, Desperate Housewives. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or, yeah. I mean, and I think in general, there is this push to make technology look less like technology and a little more like furniture. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of going back to the old days of the wooden panel TV. Right. LG had some stuff that was uh, much less techy and much more kind of beautiful object. They had a projector like that. There was a speaker system like that. Uh, Samsung had a frame speaker, which as far as I can tell is literally just a framed piece of art with a speaker behind it. And they're pretending that's a product like, sure, whatever. Uh, but, but I think so that's, bougie. I'm sorry. It, it oh, it's ridiculous. This is so bougie. Like, Oh, I don't have a TV. I have a close up of the girl with the pearl earring <laughs> on my wall. And they've apparently blacked out the rest of the painting. Um, this is like, I think this is a, this is a very brief interregnum. Soon it will just yeah. be, you celebrate the technology. I want it everywhere. I kind of want my tech to look, I want like it to look tech. like tech. Yeah. I, I'm not going to put my TV on an easel. Please. It's probably also for people without kids. I'd imagine. Oh God. Yeah. Just a five-year-old in this you know. TV on an easel. That's, 
That's a recipe yes, yes, for sir. disaster. That's an you even I mean, even your dog, mm-hmm. David, would knock this over in five minutes. I mean, this is nothing. Oh, yeah. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> LG mode. had an interesting uh concept that they they're starting to sell, I guess probably in Korea though. But it's this combination of they made TVs, uh there's and they're kind of smaller TVs, but they have a PC built into them too. And you kind of can't tell. And then it has a keyboard and a mouse. And it's meant for people, especially in South Korea, where, you know, apartments and everything are pretty yeah, you tiny. Know, you can have room uh, for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have a really nice 4K TV that is also a full-fledged Windows PC when you need it to be. And so it's a nice combo. And it's a what's amazing is now we can pull off these dual devices, right? Lenovo had that, um, that laptop that the top half is an, a full-fledged Android tablet, and then the bottom half was a Windows PC, and then they can separate, and they can operate independently of each other, and when you snap it on, it just becomes a display for the Windows laptop. Like, the fact that they could put in all that technology to two devices and still have it just look like a normal laptop, I think is absolutely amazing. Why would you want that? So it's for people, I imagine, so Windows... Some would argue, and I don't think necessarily incorrectly, is not a great tablet experience. <laughs> so, um, and some people just enjoy using Android a little bit more, whether it's the apps, the familiarity, or the fact that it maybe makes a better tablet. Uh, for one, you probably get better battery life, right? Because it's going to run an ARM processor. I thought Windows couldn't do that, but uh, it's going to perform really well, get good battery life, you can have pen support and all that. Um, and then you click it back on, and you got a full fledged Windows PC. What's cool is when you separate the display, the bottom half still stays active, so you can plug the bottom half into an external display, and now you'll have a full-fledged <laughs> Windows PC and your Android tablet right next to each other. Here's right? the uh, here's the picture <laughs> of this interesting hybrid. Yeah, uh, Leo, I think the simpler answer to your question is is no one is going to want this, but I'm very excited yeah. it exists anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, it, it is it's very cool. It, I, I just don't see a market for it. I, I mean, th- this. Yeah, is- I think it's. Oh, sorry. This is a business device. So, yes, I was going to say, it is uh, a Think product, so it's more meant for enterprise than necessarily consumers. Okay. But when you think about, you know, compared to what Microsoft was doing with Surface Book a couple years ago, it's not that dissimilar. No, I guess you're right. Some could argue that this is a little bit more functional and pragmatic for some people. Um, Yeah, actually. It'll work really well. I'm thinking as an executive, you carry it around as a laptop, but when you get to your desk, you plug it into the monitor that is living there, you detach the top, and now it's... Oh, but Leo, the trend is the executive is going to want tech that looks like art. He wants his oh, yeah. notebook to look like yeah, then a throne. Then you put it on the yeah. easel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah. You know what? I, I, I. It's great that there's innovation happening yeah. and, and new ideas are happening. And you, you don't know if you're a company if this is going to be the next big thing. Some of it is flexing. It's just showing. Yeah, we can make it. We can do it. Um, and, and that's the problem I always have with CES is there's a lot of stuff that's not going to ever be important or even maybe be for sale and some of it really shouldn't be and some of it shouldn't be yeah. it's more just to say well what do you think what about this what about this there was a booth in the venetian that was they had this thing called an air shower and they had been pinging me oh i guarantee you're gonna love this so i go over there <laughs> i want an air shower and it's bit you step on this thing and it blows air up and they said that's supposed to make you feel good. I'm like, so wait a minute, hold on. We call it the you're, Marilyn Monroe. You're, you're blowing my feet yeah. smell into my face, <laughs> and you think that's going to refresh me? That's refreshing. So yeah, some products the really upside be. down air yeah. shower. No, no. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, CES is very much like a really high budget science fair. Yeah, in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, that's a good. And I think that's I, I love that. that's I the like fun that. of it. Yeah, yeah, but you have to go in knowing. 
most of this is not real. Right. It's just sort of a neat thing somebody made that they just decided to show you. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, it's some of the most interesting tech that I've seen at CES over the last two decades have been products that I know aren't going to make it into the light of day. GM had a concept, uh, this was 15 years ago, with electric vehicles that would basically daisy chain. So the whole idea was in a futuristic city where you don't have regular cars, these automated vehicles could transport you and your friends. And if you have more friends, you just get more pods. If you have cargo, you get more pods. We never thought that was going to be an actual product. But then you go over to the North Hall at CES this year and you saw Kia. And Kia actually made sort of a grown-up version of that, and they're actually producing it. That's interesting. Did, did you uh, get a chance to sit in Project Esther? I did. This is Razor's uh, yeah, gaming chair with haptics in the butt. Uh, the the light broke on mine, so oh. I, I guess it was <laughs> Oh, so the cushion, I guess it's not just your butt. It goes behind you too, right? No. 16 motors. Yeah. yeah. It's got 16. Okay. <laughs> okay. Haptic engines. And... Um, are there games designed to to stimulate so, your lumbar region or what? I mean, that's so the, the best way to the best way to think about this is um it's like haptics it, it's like what surround sound did for audio is what this is so it has sixteen uh, haptic engines in it and they're so precise they're not on and off like one zero you know right. vibrate off you know that kind of thing they can do such minute. Uh, vibrations. That you there's can thank a lot the, thank the iPhone for that. Actually, that that kind of manufacturing sure. probably came out of China because Apple demanded it for their iPhone, and they got better and better at yeah, it. Yeah, I mean haptics. Yeah, and you know, it's their haptics is going to be super important for all all this technology going forward. But it's so sensitive that like um, they showed a scene where it was raining outside on this video, and you're watching, it, and you can feel the little taps. Oh, that's kind of cool, just like yeah. it was raindrops hitting. Okay. Yeah, and as far as and as far as games, they were saying it's so sensitive that, yeah, like in a video game, if, um, say, you're playing a first-person shooter, someone's coming up from behind oh, you on the right. Okay, that's cool. And you could hear their footsteps. You'd be able to feel kind of their footsteps, I too. I kind of want Or this. if you're firing a machine gun, yeah, or a gun or something like that, you'll get that haptic feedback as well. So it's very precise haptics that take it to, like I said, it's sort of like 7.1 audio, where it just gives you that precision. Uh, in fact, they did that. They showed an object floating in front of you, and it was making a noise. And it would float around. And as it floated around, not only did the noise follow you, but the haptics followed you too. Oh, that's so cool. So it has a lot of potential. But um, I'm, I'm huge at the haptics. I hang out with Sensel every year. Uh, they make the touchpads for uh, Windows laptops, uh, including a Surface Laptop Studio, a couple for Lenovo. And this technology, you know, when you go to like dual screen laptops or, um, you know, single screen foldables where you have an on-screen keyboard, Haptics can be so important for making that experience actually feel like something useful. Uh, we all know for smartphones, you know, Apple does it really well. Google, I would say, does it really well too in the Pixel series. The haptics is like really important, and you'll see it in autos too, like automobiles for uh, touch screens in those cars where you can have touch panels on the sides. Having that haptic feedback is going to be like really crucial to I think you know making that experience. And I think for VR. If VR is going to take off, having uh, more than yeah. just uh, your eyesight be part of the sensorium is uh, is a big deal. Yeah. You know? uh, 
especially if you don't have to wear haptic gloves or a haptic vest or some other. Of course, you you're already wearing videos a of, nerd helmet, so you might as well. Do you ever see the videos of the people on those like omnidirectional treadmills? Yeah, yeah. And they they have the headset and they're running around and they always have the like the, Ready like, toy Player gun One. And the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like that's that's the stuff. Give me that, and I'll spend time in a VR headset. <laughs> when I was, but, uh, actually, alas, I'm not fitting that in my basement. One of the things that blew me away. I, I'm not a fan of VR. I'm very skeptical about it. But it, when we were in Vegas for the Formula One race, right. Uh, McLaren had simulators that were small cars. You get in, you got steering wheel pedals and stuff, but you also had a VR helmet and the car was moving around. And I imagine that was as close as you can get to really driving a race car without actually getting in one. It looked really, really cool. I didn't, I didn't do it because I had, I think you had to buy some expensive thing to do it, but it looked pretty cool. There was a different. That's how a lot of the pros vendor. train now is on. Yeah, the that's simulator. right. I think that's what yeah. these were actually probably trainers for. Oscar and at, at the West Hall towards the end, there was I can't remember the name of the vendor. I'd have to look it up. But they had a haptic chair that was designed for racing simulation. And at first, I thought, oh, it's just it just rumbles. But like you could actually feel it when you were hitting the track limits. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, right. that, now, now I get it. I, like like I said, I I had thought of haptics like those rumble seats that they had five right. years ago, and right. that they're basically just speakers under your butt. This is not that. Uh, and so if you can get some developers who are actually programming to make good use of haptics, I, I think you're going to get some very interesting uh, experiences out of this. Let me take a little time out. When we come back, I do want to talk more about CES. You brought some stuff. We've got to show this. Yeah. Uh, some fun stuff. Um, I also want to ask a little bit about VR and AR glasses because with Apple's about announcement about to happen, or actually the announcement happened, Orders are Friday and shipping's a week from Friday. But that about imminent, I think a lot of companies, including Sony, said, wait, wait a minute, we got that, and, and showed that. So I want to ask you about those, those things as well. We've got a great panel. David Pierce is here. You've heard him on The Verge cast. He's editor-at-large at The Verge. First time on the show. I appreciate it. Great to have you. Uh, also with us uh, from uh, Windows Central, Daniel Rubino. He's editor-in-chief over there. It's always great to have you on, Daniel. And uh, as it's becoming an annual thing now. Every uh, CES, Father Robert Palliser, the digital Jesuit, comes in with gadgets, gizmos, and glowing keyboards. Just the stuff I could carry this year. It's, <laughs> uh, it ends up being a lot. Last time you shipped a bunch of stuff, didn't I you? I did. Yeah. I did. No, it's not. No. Yeah. But there is a very good uh, short video two-parter that you made of your and it, i thought it was an excellent survey of ces what's your uh, youtube channel uh it's uh, youtube.com slash digital jesuit i can't believe he has to think about that yeah you're supposed to be there with the ring I the know, bell slam I the know. button do the buzzer you know it's a passion project i just do it for fun no, I, right. i'm not a full-time broadcaster anymore so yeah i, I like putting stuff up just for you did for a good job guys. it was really beautifully edited really good it was a great tour of ces with father robert our show today brought to you by lookout Boy, these days, you know your data is always on the move, right? Whether a device uh, in the cloud, across networks, even down to the local coffee shop. And now your workforce loves this, right? It's very flexible. They can work wherever they want. But it is a challenge, as you know, for IT security. That's why you need to know about Lookout. Lookout helps you control your data and free your workforce. With Lookout, you gain complete visibility into all your data so you can minimize risk from external and internal threats. And, oh, you'll like this, it ensures compliance, too. By seamlessly securing hybrid work, your organization does not have to sacrifice productivity for security. It's the best of both worlds. Right now, your IT department 
in all likelihood is suffering, right? Working with multiple point solutions, legacy tools. That's just too complex in today's environment. Stuff slipping through the cracks as you shift from tab to tab and tool to tool. That's why you need Lookout with its single unified platform. Lookout reduces IT complexity, giving you more time to focus on whatever else is coming your way. And who, I mean, we all need more time, right? Good data protection. It's not a cage. It's a springboard letting you and your organization bound toward a future of your making. Visit Lookout.com today to learn how to safeguard data, secure hybrid work, and reduce IT complexity. That's Lookout.com. We thank them so much for supporting this week in tech. But all right, show us some stuff, Roberto. Well, okay, let's start super geeky. This is super niche. That one right there. That's that dock. No, that actually, okay. I have one that looks just like this for my Omega. Absolutely. That's a Targus. That's a dual dock. So the idea is a dual 100 watt output USB-C and Thunderbolt. So you put your laptop on there. You right. plug it into the wall and it's powering Maybe your laptop. Maybe two different laptops or a laptop and a desktop. Yeah. It gives you triple display output. So you can uh, you can have up to three monitors connected externally, but the three cool Display Ports, right, no, right. two Display Ports and an HDMI, right? As well as and a, Thunderbolt, of course, Ethernet and, and, and Thunderbolt, Ethernet. right? Thunderbolt. But that's actually a KVM. So oh. what, and the nice thing about it is it's not a traditional KVM where you you flip the button and it flips all the monitors from one to the other. That actually knows the boundaries of the resolution of each computer. So you use the, the same mouse and keyboard to move the mouse over and you, you enter into the desktop space of the other computer. You go back and forth. Now, the cool thing about this is that means that it is operating system independent. It's something like, uh, you remember Mouse Without Borders from Microsoft? Yeah, yeah. This does that, but I can use a Mac, I can use Windows, I can use Linux. It doesn't matter. It's OS agnostic. Huh. Uh, I, again, I know that this is super niche, but if you're like a system administrator or just a guy who needs multiple machines on his desk, that thing is incredible. It's so much nicer than having two sets of keyboards and mice. I might get this because I have that big 55-inch OLED yep, with multiple yep. computers. And if I just hook this up, I have my nice you know, keyboard, my Keychron keyboard. I have my classic Microsoft IntelliMouse, and I just plug those into this, and then that's all I need. I have the monitor, keyboard, and mouse, and I have multiple systems. When that was first pitched to me, I didn't get it. I'm like, what? KVMs. KVMs are 20 years ago. Nobody even makes them anymore. No one makes them, but this actually... that. Absolutely made sense to me. All right, and that's how that's much? Why uh, it's a, again enterprise product, so you're looking at four fifty five. Yeah, it's it's okay. high, it's high up right. there. What else we got? Okay, so uh, this is Runhood. So this is their twelve hundred. This is sort of a a home uh, away from home camping unit. So we've got the solar panels. We've got this twelve hundred watt uh, uh, power unit. Now the cool so thing it's about charging this, up from the solar panels. It can charge up from solar panels. How much how much wattage though do these generate? These in, solar panels in partial sunlight. This will do hundred watts. Oh, okay. So it's it's not a great amount, but the nice thing about this is it's super durable. It's super flexible. And it will work in partial sunlight. So, and I could probably fill up, there's a battery in that, I presume. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, I could probably fill up the battery uh, over 24 hour. This is the cool thing. These use more, oh. these battery packs. So you can hot swap oh. these things. And they give you these little uh, modules that you can clip on. So I can pull one of the battery packs out. And now I've got, uh, what is this, like uh, 400 watt hours of power 
for USB-C, USB, or I could actually just charge it uh, from uh, USB-C PD. Now, this is the kind of systems that I love because it means that once you've made the investment into the system, you can swap your modules in and out and grab what you need to power whatever you're doing. So nice. you, you want a day at the beach, maybe you don't need the whole system, you just pull one of these out, and uh, this is more than enough to run your laptop, your phones, your desktop. It looks like it also could be an emergency that's yeah, right. actually what I'm going for. This is yeah. this is going to be part of my my power go out system. a lot at uh, Vat- the Vatican all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a design by Italians. It's not it's not functional, but it looks good. Actually, you know it what? looks great. You know what I found out? I actually finally put a um, uh, signal analyzer on our power. Oh, is it a little choppy? They are. They've lowered down the voltage to like the bare minimum before it starts destroying things. Intentionally? Intentionally, because we had a gas shortage. So, oh, all right. Yeah. So. You're not getting municipal power, probably. You've got the Vatican. No, no, no. Own. The Vatican uses municipal power. It's Rome's power. Yeah. yeah. It's well, I wouldn't power. be surprised yeah, if they it, turned it, it This explode. is cool. How much, I mean, roughly? Okay. So, if you got the whole kit, which would include the four battery packs, Let me guess. this thing. 2800 bucks. No, it's, it's, it's like 1600 $1, You're kidding. No. That's and that's actually why I like them because first they're lower priced. I love the modular modular design, and they're standards based. Yeah, there's a lot of companies that make some really nice stuff, and I'm not going to call them out because their design is great, but it's all proprietary. It's proprietary. Could I get multiple panels like these, yep. and so I could expand my capabilities? This uses the standard solar connector. So oh. the solar panels at your house, yeah. you could actually plug that into. Oh, this. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So. Run Hood. Run Hood. And they're they're a Bay Area located company. I like them. Yeah. Brand new. Um, How about this? This is something that you might like for your travels. This was the Poly Voyager 360UC. What is a Poly Voyager 360UC when it's So earbuds. They're earbuds, but they've really been designed. They're inside. (laughs) Now, the cool thing about this is you see that little screen at the top? Yeah. What what is that all about? That actually gives you a touchscreen. That can control like a Zoom call. So connecting and disconnecting calls. <laughs> okay. You can switch between modes. Uh, okay. And actually, the reason why I like this set is it has a cable that lets you hook it up to a 3.5 millimeter audio jack. And oh, it, that's kind of nice. Right? So, so if you lose battery life, or it, no, you still need batteries. You still probably. need the batteries. Oh, but yeah. by the way, the, this thing runs forever, and the case is actually a battery for the earbuds as well. I also like it. It's got a little USB adapter in yeah, the case, which is yeah. fantastic. No, it's, that's it's, the wireless adapter. Correct. It's yeah. really been designed for UC people. So this, again, it's an enterprise product. I, I know it's niche. Here's something that you might like. That's cool, though. This is Anchor's newest uh, Qi charger. You know, I've been looking at. There's a lot of companies make these after Apple decided not to make theirs mm-hmm. that are that will charge uh, a Apple Watch, an Apple phone, and the earbuds, earbuds. all at once. That's a but this station. one folds up, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Fold it back there, you look go. at that. It's very yeah. compact. They they this have to be good for travel. It would be good for travel, and they have another version of that that they're going to be releasing that actually has a battery pack built into it, and it's mm-hmm. Anchor, and Anchor has like a Anchor great stuff. reputation. So is this out? This is out. This is out right now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, do you like audio? I love audio, There, Everyone was pitching me speakers. The one speaker I decided to take was this. This is from Rocksteady. It's called their Stadium. Now, they they sell themselves as a Sonos killer. I, I don't know if they I think Sonos is the Sonos killer, to Sonos be honest. Is the- <laughs> let's, let's be frank. Let's be, let's be a little frank. Now, the nice thing about this, though, is it, um, it's Bluetooth 5.0. 
So it's it's super, super clear as long as you've got a Bluetooth 5.0 system. And it's infinitely expandable. How many speakers are there? Just one? There's one over there. There's there's that one right there. Go, one ahead, go ahead and turn that so on. So you could make this a uh, 5.0 system if you bought enough speakers, You right? could make it. You can, as long as it's within the Bluetooth range, the power button is in the back, yes. you can add as many speakers as you'd like. And once you start ah. playing it, it actually... We're going to rock out here. There's a subwoofer somewhere. Am I sitting on it? No, see, I haven't even turned that on. Oh. But they all oh, it use... looks like a purse. A, a, a capacious, extraordinarily capacious purse. Hey, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, I'm getting some bass. That's nice. Yeah, this this one is actually a little heavy. And, and so the idea of these is uh, you can have multiple units. Can you do party mode, in other words? Party Sonos mode. style party Precisely. mode. Precisely. And they they don't interfere with one another as long as they're with, they're further than one foot away. So you could actually buy a set of these, put, put them, them outside, the yeah. and, and you're good to go. They work. For, I, I think the longest time I got to play on this was about 20 hours. They rate it for 30 but if you play it loud, you're probably going to get about 16. Google lost, or rather, Google won its case against Sonos. In fact, the judge was scathing yeah. about Sonos. Uh, Sonos was suing Google, saying, we own party mode. You can't do that. In fact, Google had to start taking that those features out of their own uh, Google system. And then they started putting them back because they won in court. So I imagine we'll see more and more party mode style. Right. You're nodding, David. Do you agree? Yeah, I think this is the sort of thing that should just obviously be in yeah. every speaker yeah. system that exists. Right? Like the Logitech has those cool the the boom speakers. They do a pretty good job. I of love the booms. I have some UE booms. Together. Yeah, I have a few of those. They're great. Yeah, yeah. This should just you should just be able to attach all of your speakers to each other everywhere around your house, no matter what. And without the totally. echo, and that's what party mode does. If you did it with regular yeah. Bluetooth speakers, it would be weird because all the rooms would be slightly off. But with this. Whatever technology they're able to They get. use, it's, I think it's Bamboo Tech. So Bamboo Tech, it does sort of that checking to make sure it's not, you're not having multiple delays so that you get that yeah. echo going it's on. It's frame accurate kind exactly. of. Exactly. Yeah, so it makes yeah. sure that all the speakers are in sync. Cool. Uh, the one thing, and you know what? I'm Who gonna, made that again? This one is by Rocksteady. Rocksteady. Rocksteady I know Rocksteady stuff. Yeah. And they call this the stadium. The stadium. I want to give you this one. Because I've heard that you lose your wallet. <laughs> Who doesn't? This this one actually I got from a company called Rolling Square, which was found in the uh, the Venetian, the Expo Hall, and uh, it's basically an Apple tag, but for your wallet. It's credit card size, it's, so I could put this in my wallet. Correct. And so for two years, uh, it works just like an Apple tag. Uh, you ever lose your wallet? Oh, not replaceable battery though. Uh, this one does not. No, the new no version does. It. They they found out that people are probably going to replace it after two years. And it, to have a replaceable battery adds width. Yeah. And they just didn't want to do that. But well, this is what's interesting to me. It is compatible with the with Find My. It's AirTag Correct. compatible. Correct. So it's not an AirTag, but Apple did open that up. Apple opened it up, and this is Apple approved and, and Apple tested. Nice. Yeah. They, You're going to give this to me? Uh, that's yours now. I'm peeling off the, uh, <laughs> the thing then. They've got what? a new version for yeah. Google, it's it's going to work for Android. They're just waiting for Android to uh, Google to release the final spec on the new chipset, and then they'll have the same product on the Android side. So, just put your card on a hard surface and press the power button very hard <laughs> until it beeps. <laughs> the button is fa is is firm to prevent accidental pressing in your wallet. So, I guess I'll have to pair this with Find My. It looks cool too, right? And it's got a QR code. What is the QR code? Is that like my name and address, so if somebody finds this, correct. Can, so you can you can go ahead and register it. I actually use those on my luggage. That's those. Yeah, are my I have an AirTag in my luggage. Actually, yeah. uh, the problem with using an AirTag in luggage is people have 
now started spotting them. Oh. Uh, I actually had an incident already in Europe where someone took the AirTag out, the Apple oh. Tag out. This I wouldn't it, think they'd be that valuable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the camera gear. I mean, the camera gear that I carry around is That's expensive. valuable. That's Forget the AirTag. I want the camera gear. Yeah. But they know the, the AirTag trick now, so I've had to swap to these. And people can't see these? Sure they can. Well, they don't know what they are. Right. And, and they Not don't yet. know if it's worth anything. Not yet. Exactly. <laughs> so they just keep it in the bundle. I mean... I'm just curious because I'm not in the Apple uh, ecosystem, ecosystem really, yeah. but yeah, um, I, I use Tile. Is, is Tile pretty similar to this stuff though, right? Because uh, they've been having the wallet ones for years. And yeah, Tile, put it in my tile works. Tile works. There's a couple of trackers out there. Um, I have not yet found a tracking system that is as good as Apple's. You know, AirTags have their pluses and minuses. Every time I leave the hotel room, it tells me you're leaving your bag behind. <laughs> and I turn that off, but I kind of want to know when I'm at the airport if I'm leaving my bag behind. So it's, you know, there's pluses and minuses. It's nice. The problem with uh, AirTags, and the reason AirTags work better than anybody else is it does have to be on a, in an area where there are other iPhones. That's yeah, how it spots exactly. you. Yeah. And so because there are so many iPhones, it works well. The problem with Tile and anything else, this is what the Tile CEO was pissed off about, in fact, is that they don't have that same network. Of devices, although Tile now I think is doing something that it's compatible. I seem to remember them doing something that they're compatible with other uh, devices. So maybe the network is expanding uh, a little bit for Tile. Yeah, I don't. You think I lose my wallet a lot? Who told you that? Oh, some a little birdie told. I have a my wallet is magnetically attached to my iPhone, so I, I don't have to ever worry about it falling off or up, up, yeah. Where'd it yeah. go? You know that is not an uncommon experience. Yeah, this is. I I found three wallets on the ground at CES. <laughs> Did you really? Three, three of them with credit cards. <laughs> one had a driver's license. Wow. Uh, they don't. David, stay. you have your wallet still? Check. You might want to check. Uh, yeah, I know. Seriously, now. No. <laughs> is, is it mag secured uh, or do you? I use a I, traditional I, wallet. I use a I use a real wallet, full George Costanza. I have a Costanza. Yes, yeah, over there. there I would show you. Yeah. It's like that. Uh, no, but I, I feel you on the, the alerts that come up, and I have spent a lot of time trying to decide, do I turn off the alerts that tell me my AirPods are gone, right. even though I'm holding my AirPods, right. or is it the one time that I need it and it saves me, is it worth dismissing 10,000 bad notifications? Exactly. I don't know how to do that math, but I spend a lot of time thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, I think about it all the time too, David. We should get to Because <laughs> it's very annoying. <laughs> it is. It's really annoying. We need and, and, AGI to get that to work. Uh, yeah, AGI, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's it. AGI would say, um, I know you're next to your pod, so I'm not going to bother right <laughs> Uh, yeah, because everything I have on Apple is on the Find My Network. So, uh, you know, every, it's they're like they're very needy children. Don't leave me. I'm here. Wait a minute. Don't. You, you know, my favorite is because I use multiple phones um, and only one of them has service in the United States. So when I connect the non-service phone oh, to Wi-Fi, all script. of the notifications That's come smart. up. So suddenly yeah. I've got 300 notifications at the same time. It is annoying oh. as all heck. I thought you were going to say something smart like you No, no. I, uh, I, I finally bit the bullet and I, I upgraded you have a to... Pixel 8? This is a new Pixel it's 8. It's nice, isn't it? Uh, I miss my 3.5 millimeter jack. I really do. You I'm mean sorry. the courage jack? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The bold choice jack. <laughs> no, this is actually, this is a very nice phone. Uh, there were a couple of phones at CES. I'm seeing fewer and fewer of those. It's hard to, it's hard to make something that has a, an advantage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And companies like Red and Razor tried and nobody bought them. 
it's like, okay, yeah, Apple, you can, you can own this market, you know, uh, and I guess it's Apple, Samsung, and then maybe Google, a distant third. The, the one Unless nice thing is uh, they didn't use the South Hall this year, so I didn't see... They didn't use the South Hall? They did not. So um, That does not bode well. Well, but they've got that new West Hall. So they, it's yeah, it's but the last part. time I was there, which was right before COVID, they were all three were in, in, in right. So they had the West Hall, the North Hall, the Central Hall, and then they had the uh, the Venetian, <laughs> but so not the South Hall, not the South Hall. That used to be where the car stuff was. Wasn't no, it? the South the car stuff used to be in the North Hall. North Hall, right? Oh, the South Hall's way the other way. Yeah. Right, right. South Hall used to be where like Intel and Qualcomm and all right. those companies were, and. That yeah, it was it was sad to walk by it, and there were there was just no one. That was weird. That was so. Did it feel as crowded as usual? Did it feel like there were as many uh, people there? I deliberately avoid crowds. So the first day I cover Venetian, and then the second day Uh, I go to LVCC, and it's normally the opposite. opposite. Yeah, Uh, but I I'm pretty sure attendance was down this year. I'm waiting for the. Does anybody know Daniel David? do Do you know if attendance was down? I don't, I don't know. know. It, yeah. Daniel, I don't know what your it experience was, but it felt busy to me. Yeah. Like yeah. it was it was Same. definitely not the busiest CES I've ever been to, but it was it was yeah. crowded. Like if yeah. you measure it by how long you have to wait for a taxi to get anywhere, like it was right. we were fully back to CES. Yeah. So it was it was <laughs> we're back, baby. You can't get anywhere. <laughs> it, it was down this year, but down for CES means it was only 130,000 instead of 180. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so that's a that's still a lot of people. Yeah. And it was more focused. I felt like the show this year was more focused. I didn't see as many vendors with stuff like 15 different types of iPhone cases. You know, vendors actually yeah. were trying to show stuff off. The The innovation pavilions in the Venetian actually had some interesting technologies and, and interesting displays and interesting new uses of existing technologies. So that's the sort of stuff that I really enjoy. The West Hall was crazy with... Uh, autonomous vehicles with electrified everything hyundai had this amazing booth and display where they were showing sort of the the self-building robotic infrastructure of the future i saw a little clip on your uh, piece of that do they anticipate that for use on earth or is that for extraplanetary exploration i mean of course they're they're pitching it for earth these are machines that build themselves autonomously right so i mean you're talking by the way seems like that's (laughs) that's the scenario that's the nightmare scenario (laughs) that we don't really want Uh, but the machines build the other machines that's the they they didn't do that part so okay but that would be step five so step one is Generation of power. Step two is gener- uh, mining of resources. Step three is the, the transport. Step four is infrastructure. Step five would be back to one, which is I build the machines that get the power. And then there's step six, paper clips. And well, step six is humans <laughs> are slaves. Uh, yeah, bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, AI doesn't scare me until you give it uh, agency in the real world. And then I'm getting a little nervous. Like, but they had a I had a nice sit down with one of the uh, the Hyundai execs, and they have a very interesting philosophy of using AI and telepresence. And they said, "Look, it, it, so many companies are saying either it's fully automatic autonomous, or it's fully uh, remotely controlled, or it's a human at the controls." So they want to do a sort of a hybrid approach. They want to be able to have human pilots when you need human intervention. Well, that's what self-driving cars do now. That's what Cruise and did and, and right. Waymo does. In fact, uh, the story is uh, that there's more human driving than they yeah. would care to admit. Yeah. Volkswagen uh, said they're putting chat GPT in their cars. Because <laughs> I want my car to argue with me. 
<laughs> oh, you're going that way? Okay, I guess you want to get there slower. Andrew Fine. Hawkins running in the verge says, get ready for some very spurious navigation <laughs> directions. If you want Gladys to tell you where to go, I guess. Um, did They also, Volkswagen, I think, showed it telling stories, too. Like, you can... Ask it to tell you. I, a I, I don't fairy think I tale. So, hard to tell this is the thing about this that is so wild to me because I think you think about AI in the car, and the thing you think about is right. Like I should be able to talk to my car about car things, and that that makes <laughs> right, total sense yeah. to me. I actually I'm all in yeah. on that idea that when the check engine light comes on, what I can be like, mean? "Hey car, yeah, yeah, what's going on?" And it can tell me. Like that's that's valuable. I'm into that. I'm even into it for navigation. But this idea that I'm going to get in my car and drive to <laughs> work, just having a chat with chat GPT is so bananas to me. And I think that's what people want. I think there are people doing that. And, and the idea is that that is going to be your companion on the way to and from work now. And I hate no, that no, no, so no, no, no. much. We're your companions yeah. on the way to work. Forget exactly that. Right. What I want is I want the AI in my car to fight with the AI on my phone. Because they really don't like each other. I wouldn't mind listening in on that one. It's yeah, Knight you're right. Rider. It's, it's, it's Night Rider, is, though, isn't it? Yeah. That's what this is. It's Night Rider. Kit it's Night Rider. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kit. Uh, I think, honestly, this is in, not just in cars, but in general what we want we want expert systems we don't want yeah. a little plastic pal that can be your friend right in yeah. general that's what we want and the, and i think the mistake a lot of companies made is focusing on the latter instead of really focusing on the expert systems maybe it's not as as sexy but you're exactly right david i want my car to talk about car stuff not tell me a little red riding hood i want it to yeah say th that totally makes sense i was gonna yeah. say because isn't tesla they want to put of course grok into the tesla oh <laughs> god dad jokes on and it's just high. like uh, yeah yeah i'm like why like i'm like with david here like yeah i want this in my car but i want to do car things so, like, here's a question know, do you help want, me out in my life do you want an expert system in your car that has been trained on twitter traffic no no, no right right exactly right. that's the problem if it's trained on volkswagen's manuals yeah if it's trained by volkswagen's experts then I'm interested. Then it's something. This is going to be uh, in some uh, Volkswagen vehicles starting second quarter of this year. It's soon. They're they're pretty serious about that. This they're not the only ones. Uh, Mercedes, I guess, showed a bunch of uh, AI in its. Uh, in fact, they've been doing ads already. Um, AI voice assistants in their M bucks. Uh, more human like interactions. I'm not sure that's what I want, but uh, that's what they're going to do. Mercedes yeah. actually. I will say, I think. Cars. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think Mercedes is doing this well. Generally, its voice assistant stuff has been way ahead of most of the others for a while now, and I think they've done a nice job of keeping it mostly contained to car stuff. But I also think, Leo, you might underestimate the number of people who desperately do want their AI to be their best friend. I mean, you look at companies like Replica and what Meta is building with these characters. Like, I I think it is both weird and sort of existentially terrifying. But this idea that people want to have a real relationship with AI is real. And I don't know what to do with that, but it is, it is real. Is it real? Is, the humans I mean, are the most lonely people ever. It's like, like, it's yeah, her, it's right? really lonely. It's the movie her, yeah, right? I, mean, I want a girl. I want a plastic girlfriend. That sounds like Scarlett Johansson. But is that what yeah. the companies think? Or is that really what people are saying? I think with the atomization of society, I think that's oh, what it's gone lonely. down to. Like, we're lonely. I, yeah, I, I, mean, I would love to tell you Japan that it's just and, PR, but no. I mean, my real business is dealing with people and helping people with interpersonal issues. And 
I know people who would love to have an AI assistant. You want an AI in the confessional, <laughs> right? Because then there's nobody really listening. <laughs> I, well, where, no. where does that the church like stand on AI confessionals? You have to understand. People, I just saw that. And people always ask me like, oh, but you've never talked about what's happened in the confessional. I don't remember what happens in the confessional. <laughs> Do you have any idea how many confessions he's, I hear? He's playing words with friends, guys. He's not. Uh... <laughs> I was going to say, I just watched uh THX 1138, George Lucas's oh, film. Classic. And in there, they had the digital, they had the digital like priest, the God that you make your confession to. And it doesn't really listen. It just says things. Right. Like, it, back it just to platitudes. You. Yeah. We've got, yeah, yeah. I so. told you my favorite one, right? <laughs> I, my, my confessional uh, generic response is look, I, I understand that uh, you feel alone. You feel like you've been abandoned. I, I know that you feel like, you, like you're the worst person in the world and I just want you to know you're right. And, <laughs> you don't uh, say that. <laughs> you don't. Can you imagine that, how awful you would, would feel would if the priest said that? That would be scarring. <laughs> you know, you're a complete jerk. Uh, I try. I really do. I feel like I'm a pretty understanding guy, but I... Geez. Look, Leo, God loves you. I mean, well, not, not you per not se, you. but someone like you. <laughs> no, no. Stop it. We know you don't do that. We know you don't do that. All right, I'm going to take a little break. Uh, having some fun with Father Robert Ballas here. He's an actual priest. He doesn't just play one on TV. Uh, working out of the Vatican, of all things, digitaljesuit.com. They call him the Digital Jesuit. Uh, I just call him Father Robert. He's our good friend. It's so nice to see you when you it's come so nice back to be back into town. Don't rush back. Just stay well, here for a uh, while. The fact that uh, right now my home city is uh, is partially locked down because there You're are kidding. not enough hotel. Not, not there are not enough hospital beds for all the oh, COVID patients. God. At the moment, oh, so. I, it makes me so sad. Yeah, it's happening again. Rome is one of my favorite uh, places in the world. I'm so sad to hear that. Also, here Daniel. Daniel. Daniel Rubino. I was going to say Daniel Pierce and David Rubino, but I've got it all confused. Daniel Rubino, <laughs> Editor-in-Chief, Windows Central. So good to see you, Daniel. How are you feeling? How are the symptoms? Okay? You feeling all right? Yeah, no, it's getting a little stuffy, but, you know, yeah. otherwise I'm all right. Yep. So it's, yep. it's Paxlovid. I'll survive. It's a miracle drug. My mom is 91. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's in an uh, assisted living facility. Uh, she's got some memory issues. Uh, we were very nervous because, you know, people started to get it in the assisted living facility, and I found out earlier this week she got it. She's fine. They gave her Pax. She had a sore throat. They gave her Paxlovid. She, I said, how are you feeling? She said, I'm a little tired. Yeah. I feel fine. 91 years old. It's a miracle. Are you has ever, Everyone never had it before, has had either. it before, right? She has never had it before. She's got all her shots, but she's never uh, had okay, it before. Okay, yeah. She'll be fine. It's amazing. D did any of you ever lose your sense of taste or smell when you had it? Not I. Smell. Smell? Yeah, I lost my smell. Lisa yeah. lost, I think, more than that. I, I didn't lose she anything lost marbles until I took Paxlovid. Paxlovid made everything oh, yeah. taste like I was metal. still on aluminum. Tastes like metal. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's Paxlovid. Yeah. 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 Um, well, so you're saying I shouldn't? Shouldn't what? Take it? Paxlovid? Yeah. Oh, no, take it. <laughs> you <laughs> okay. Take it. You're not recommending against it. Just be no, aware. No, I, I'm just saying. Everything's going to taste like aluminum. Right. I mean, when I had COVID the three times, I enjoyed food. You know what's I, funny? So when you lick aluminum, it tastes like turkey. <laughs> it's delicious. Like, remember when you used to test 9-volt batteries by putting them on yeah, your tongue? Yeah, don't do that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, also with us, David Pierce. First time with us. How are you feeling so far, Editor-at-Large of The Verge? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Do yeah. you want an update on the Packers game is my main question for you. <laughs> okay, look, you can't see this, but there are like six screens off camera. So, look, I'm, we're in San Francisco uh, Bay Area. I'm a Niners fan, and, and you know, I'm, I got the socks to prove it. But 
our son, 21-year-old, I think it was a rebellious thing. I think so. Because mom uh, was so rabidly a, a Niners fan, he decided to be a Packers fan. And you should see the Packers shrine in our house. There is a room devoted to the Packers. It's incredible. And I'm sure he is going crazy right about now. You've uh, all been very supportive. Well, I, you know, we went to, we took him for his 21st birthday. We went to Green Bay, had a great meetup there. Hello to all our friends in Green Bay. Went to a game, Lambeau Field. It was really great. Uh, he's actually thinking of moving there. He likes him so much. He I wants lived, to work I there. lived in Milwaukee for it's a year. Be cold. Uh, he it's could ask be cold. him to talk to me first. <laughs> no, no, we, we don't want to discourage it. It's if he wants to work there, we want to encourage it. Okay. Anyway, I don't need an update, David, because as, as Robert <laughs> narked me out, uh, there are a few screens with the game. Just checking. On. And, and, and it's again, I don't care. But but for Michael, I'm very, yeah. I'm very interested. Yeah, well, he's happy right now. So, well, we won't say too much, yeah. but yeah. I think he's. Uh, we don't want to spoil the game for anyone who might be so, watching this. Since so he turned twenty-one, somebody I don't know who, and I'm mad at whoever did. Gave him a bottle of rum, of spiced Kraken rum, and he comes down to dinner. He gets a little bottle of rum, pours, makes himself a rum and coke every day. I'm thinking this kid, this is not a good. <laughs> wait, so <laughs> this is not a good habit. So someone just gave him a bottle of rum, and he decides yeah. he needs to eat. He's, drink he's gonna rum. have rum and coke every night. It's like uh, he's is. And he's not. This is not a family where we have cocktails at night. But he's he's okay. he's cocktails. He practically goes. Oh. oh, the sun's over the yard. I'm time to break out the Kraken and Coke. <laughs> Do you like grappa? Oh God, no. That no? stuff. Okay. That'll burn. Just checking. Just checking. off your chin. Well, the other one is uh, what? Uh, uzo? Uzo, uzo. Oh, I hate uzo. Yeah, that's licorice. Oh. Grappa is the one where they put three coffee beans in it. They can to they can. make it smoother. <laughs> uh, no, I can br- I can bring you a smooth smooth. Va- uh, so they they there's a type of of grappa that's only sold in it's the a Vatican brandy. store. Oh really? And I can bring you a ball of that. It's actually very smooth. Well, next time I'm gonna I'm going to Rome soon because you said I could stay with you. Yes, you can. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move to right. the Vatican. Okay. I'm gonna use his studio. This is this is the future. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Twit now live from the Vatican. That's hysterical. <laughs> uh, our show today brought to you by Miro. Oh, man. Have you played with Miro yet? This is so awesome. It is one incredible visual place that can bring all of your innovative work together. And the best part is your team could be anywhere in the world in any time zone, and you can all be working on the same thing. We're talking six whole capability bundles. You could use it for product development workflows. You could do it for content visualization, all powered by Miro AI which means you're instantly generating new ideas or taking the information in your Miro boards and summarizing it, making it very easy to understand what's going on. Miro connects seamlessly to the platforms you're already using too. So if you're using Jira or Confluence, if you're using Google Drive, if you're using Asana, you, we use it with Zapier. You centralize your work in a way that makes sense for your team. They don't need to leave Miro to update projects or statuses in any of these tools it's all in one place now, thanks to Miro. Miro users report saving up to 80 hours a year by streamlining conversations, by cutting down on meetings. Who doesn't want to do that? And by seeing all the most up-to-date information in one place. 
Miro just added a new board video recording feature. This is so cool. So one of the issues is you're in one time zone. Father Robert's in another. He's sleeping when I'm awake. I'm awake when he's sleeping. But we're working on the same project together. How do I give him my comments? Well, of course, you can just write them in. But now you can use their talk track recording feature. Say, hey, Robert, look, this is what I think. This thing, I like this, but I don't like this. You can leave it on the board, eliminating another meeting, figuring out how you can meet. Your thoughts are there. They're there permanently. They're part of the record. They're part of the single source of truth. It is incredible. Try it out for yourself. Give Get your first three boards for free. This is a great way to try it. Start working better. Miro.com slash podcast. M-I-R-O dot com slash podcast. Uh, I think we've, I know we, you couldn't possibly cover CES, but I think we have. Yeah. Anything yeah. else, uh, you think is important that we missed out on? Uh, there's drone soccer that I think you should play. Drone right? soccer. I think you would actually enjoy that. You know, I remember CES years ago. Drones were the big thing, right? Drones were are huge. Are still drones? Uh, Samsung uh, brings of. that drone helicopter every year, right? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Is that Samsung? Who no, brings it's not. That? There's, it's, I can't remember the name Sanyo, of the company. Yeah, they, they've got a, a, a basically a manned quadcopter. Yeah. Uh, I'm not right in that. No. They bring it every year. They do. <laughs> They, they slightly improve it every year. So, like, this one is now 15% less likely to decapitate you. But, I mean, that doesn't say a whole lot. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Uh, by the way, CES, one of the one of the tracks was, your new BFF is a robot. So, this confirms exactly what you were talking about. Robot companions yeah. could be the future treatment for tackling depression, loneliness, and companionship. It turns out, you just made me realize this, there's a trend every year at CES where there's one whole category that everybody is like, is this cool? Do people want this? And the people resoundingly go, no. no. <laughs> like One year it was drones, one year it was 3D printing. Hopefully this year it's best friend robots. That is like the best possible. <laughs> Certainly. Outcome. We can only hope. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, on the other hand, if Scarlett Johansson could be in my ear and I, she could be, we could frolic. I, I might do that. Uh, I don't. I you know I feel like that's as that's that's going to be the plague of the of like thirty years out. You know, and right now we have a plague of people just walking around staring at their screen the whole time. The next thing is people will be you know kind of spaced out listening to their AI buddy in their ear. Oh yeah. I think that's the future for no, it's, sure. It's going to be people who talk exclusively to AI only because they only tell them good things. You know, like an AI is right. going to talk bad things to you. Right. AI, AI isn't going to talk down it's to you. It's only going to be nice to you. It's only going to be nice to you. It's only going to do stuff for the, you. Remember how the we, AI Pope, who will do nothing but say bad things about you, <laughs> that, that will be our differentiation. It's, you are just determined to get in trouble. Are you trying to get fired? Get is that fired. what you're doing? Well, if I get fired, I go back to the United States. Okay. Yeah, man. All right. No, do not fire him. You I, need him. I, did, wait. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel, David, did you uh, did you see the massage robot? See it. I married oh. it. So it feels illegal. For me <laughs> yeah. it, it's basically an industrial yeah. robotic. Arm set. Is it that one of those big arms? But no, but they they put like flesh analogs. On oh, the gross! Nice. It, I don't it, like that. It looked so creepy, but but like they did it to my arm, and it actually it does feel better than just having the, like a little 
nubbing on it, but still. This was last free. year, but I, sure bet, I bet it's the same one. Oh, this God. was last year. Yeah, so they, they've basically done that, but they've added, like, flesh aspects to the Oh, end of they, the this arms. is what was missing from the giant robotic <laughs> arms was rubber fake hands. I know. So, flesh so, aspects. So when, flesh I, when aspects. I feel when I feel warm, rubberized, fleshy stuff uh, touching my back rather than this, then I, I think it's a real person. <laughs> Either somebody's roller skating on my back with or, this thing. These oh. things are too powerful. You know, these are. It's like having a gorilla massage. Yeah, yeah. it's a suicide yeah. machine. It's a suicide machine. You can totally see like some movie made where someone dies like that. It's because someone hacked the machine. Yeah. And then the mystery is like, all right, who had access to the <laughs> machine? Oh, hacked, my gosh. You know? This, this is like, a CSI episode. Who hacked yes, the machine? Yes, I was going to say CSI, 2035. Wait, let, me yeah. see, let me see if I can find this year's. Yeah, do you really want to be massaged by a robot that could put its arm through your chest? I, oh, I'm here's right. the one. Here's, mm. here's what you were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> there little, it is. There little, it feet, is. little feet pads Did on it. not like yeah. <laughs> 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 no! <laughs> it was so oh, creepy. That's creepy. It was so creepy. Oh, that's when that's when you touch the app lower. Did you lower. did so? Did you, you didn't do it, Robert? <laughs> no, no. I, oh, let it do my arm, and I'm not. I Y U <laughs> is the name of the company, or maybe it's I U. Um, uh, oh, it's got a little flesh. I like it that it's a flesh colored, right? But it's, that, but it's only a flesh-covered sock. It makes all the difference, Leo. <laughs> now it feels like a real human. <laughs> this is from the uh, Independent. Thank you. Uh, the Indep Oh, of course, it's a Frenchman who came up with this. Uh, we don't want to uh, bother you, so uh, we are going to have a smoke, and you will lie down. Yeah, the machine you. smokes at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, no, no, I, 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 I can't. no, I'm no. going to get myself in trouble. I have to stop talking about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, well, speaking of which, there, I think there wasn't a lot. This year, they kind of got the sex toys out. They did. <clears throat> there uh, weren't a lot of vibrators or things. I think they got priced out, uh, most of them. It was them. too expensive. Right. There were a lot of them last year at the Venetian Expo. Um, right. I think the only one that I saw at the show this year was uh, Handy. I don't want and, to know. Yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> stop right here. <laughs> the name, that just, that's it. It's stop good. right there. <laughs> Enough. Okay. Uh, um, do you want to review it? I mean, no. I've got the contact. Is, no. Okay. Did you really? You got their cards? I did. <laughs> oh. Did, is it the, Nor it's a Norwegian company, I think. No, it's an no? American company. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, Reset. Okay. Did okay. you see, uh, this, you want really, well, let's go more creepy. That uh, there's a podcast, I guess, called Doozy that's run by AI. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yep. uh, they have made, they have taken George Carlin, oh, who's been yeah. dead for some no, years. Don't do And this. they turned him yep. into a full special titled, I'm Glad I'm Dead, and You Will Wish He Was Dead. I'll play a little, just a little bit. This is not George Carlin. This is a voice that sounds a little bit little like George fighting. Carlin. A little crying, a little f or a little oh. dying. <laughs> I love all the parts you chose. <laughs> the U.S. government said aliens are real. They said it in the New York Times for f sake. They admit oh, I mean, at least it's got the profanity. I know. So that part they nailed. Um, the, the George Carlin's daughter said, this is, ho this is horrible. She, we didn't need her to say that. Um, I mean, you just—if I were George, if I were a comedian, I would not be afraid of this. Or should I be? Maybe this is—I mean, it's close enough. I would, 
it, it, it's like this. I have a uh, yeah. I was gonna say my opinion. I listened to a lot of it. I was a huge Carlin fan. Me too. It's pretty freaking good. Is it it's pretty actually, good? It better right? than, it's better than his last special. I'll no. Uh, oh, don't oh, say yeah. that. Yeah. Oh. So his last stuff wasn't very good. His last stuff got really dark and just wasn't that. You funny. could tell, and I don't um, know how much human involvement there is. But they're, they're not clear about that. But you could tell that they were. It was his style for sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was the title it, of it. That would be the. Yeah. That's what he would say. Yeah. Uh, George Carlin's uh, daughter, uh, Kelly, my statement regarding the AI-generated George Carlin special. My dad spent a lifetime perfecting his craft from his very human life, brain, and imagination. No machine will ever replace his genius. I don't think we disagree with that, right? She does say, and yeah, this is a good point, how about we give some actual living human comedians a listen to? If you want to listen to the genuine George Carlin, he has 14 specials. Don't apparently... Don't watch the last one, Daniel says, but, but there are 13 good ones. So there was a company called Halo that they they make custom expert systems that basically clone you. So you teach it how yeah. to talk like you, what your posts look like on social, what your images look like, and then you let it loose and it posts for you. Now, we have AI, Leo. I, I find that very creepy, but at the same time... It saves, people, time. It saves time. It saves <laughs> time. It generates more interaction. Yeah. So it's, it is a valid system. It's like it's not going to go away. But, but I look at systems like this and it makes you realize, hey, you know that SAG strike? This was actually a very valid point. Extremely oh, yeah. yes. valid Well, point. and to that point, Kelly's, uh, Kelly Carlin, his daughter, said that they did not ask for permission. Yeah. But I don't think they need permission. Not unless they're, they're it makes very clear likeness. at the beginning of it yeah. that it, this is an impersonation of George Carlin. Yeah, and that's that legal. no different than someone who listened. Yeah, it's no different than someone who listened to all of his content. Right, is just doing an impersonation of him. Just it's an hour long one. The the <laughs> question of whether the law agrees with that statement or not, I think, is very much still to be seen. Uh, sure, but but no, I I think that's right, and I think we spent so much of this last year trying to decide. A, whether the tech is going to get good enough to make this stuff a real threat to people's livelihoods mm-hmm. in these worlds and also trying to figure out how we feel about it. Because one of the things like the uh, George Collins' daughter's name is Kelly. Is that right? Yeah, uh, yeah that's part right. of what her statement says is essentially it's gross that this is happening. Right. It's It's not even an evaluation of whether or not it's any good. And I actually think. To me, it was like, it's not very good, but it was significantly better than I expected it to be. So I'm, I'm in this sort of weird liminal place there. But it does kind of call into question, is this a thing we want to exist in the world? Feels like actually the bigger question here than like, is AI George Carlin funny? Well, what if it were <laughs> as really funny not. as if uh, George Carlin? Yeah, let's go devil's advocate. Here. Did- Someone who's, who's a George yeah. Carlin fan who loved his material, who understands that he is dead, but would still like to have something that reminds them of George Carlin. And this is fresh. This is fresh material. Or maybe, maybe, like yeah. maybe uh, let's take another, maybe Beatles. Maybe a, maybe yeah. if there was a whole album of new Beatles sure. songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're the Beatles or you have the rights to the Beatles music, maybe that's not thrilling. But if you're a Beatles fan, how do you feel about that? Admittedly, we're not there yet. Yeah, because I mean, no one's no one's lying to you. No one's trying to fool you. They they're up front saying this is not Carlin. This is not the Beatles. This yeah. is not whoever this is pretending to be. But it knows enough about them, about their performance, about their content, about their art that it can create. It can extrapolate. 
to what they might talk about today. This is kind of a, a, yeah. a version of what we've been talking about lately. We're all creators here. Uh, and creators in general aren't thrilled about AI training on their right. content. New York Times has recently sued OpenAI. Uh, I think ultimately the New York Times will get a uh, licensing agreement with OpenAI. They've done a licensing agreement, for instance, with uh, CNN most recently. Um, they want content, and if they have to license it, okay. But uh, I'm, you know, as a content creator, maybe it's because I'm at the t tail end of my career. I'm not, I don't want to be protectionist on my content. I'm much more interested in how good AI could be. And I, and uh, Sam Altman made this point in the New York Times suit, in their response to the New York Times suit at OpenAI. They said, if, if, if OpenAI can only train on non-copyright material, it ain't going to be very good. It ain't yeah. going to be very good. I mean, maybe the solution is to get, make it license it, I guess. Although there's probably not enough money in the world to license all the stuff you'd want it to train on, I think we, I think there's a strong case to be made from the point of view of a societal good, not maybe of the individual creators, but of the societal good that AI be allowed to ingest as much as it possibly can. Then they should be free for all. No, we, we all contributed. I mean, that's to what's going to happen in China, probably. We all contributed so. to it, right? Yeah, all right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a. There, I forget who it was, but somebody a while ago tweeted something to the effect of. Uh, all OpenAI did was steal the internet and rent it back to us, uh, and that's a pretty compelling argument in in, in what actually happened. And I, I think the the idea that OpenAI can't afford to do what it wants to do, thus shouldn't have to pay for it, just doesn't really hold water. But there's also something like it doesn't feel like a middle ground exists, and yet we have to find one, right? Because I think. Like we talk about this all the time at, at The Verge, like we make a lot of money from people who want to know which smartphone they should buy. Like that is a that is a real part of our business. It is a service we provide to our audience. And if you just go to chat GPT and say, what phone does The Verge think I should buy? And it answers your question based on the research that we've done. You've just looped us out of a mm -hmm. thing that we did all the work for. And that's a problem. And so I think. We're actually, I think, in reality, going to have to answer this question rather than once, like a million different ways for each different part of this. Like Benedict Evans always likes to say that you don't regulate cars, you regulate parts of cars and you regulate seatbelts and you regulate steering wheels and you regulate tires. You don't regulate cars. And I think we're going to end up in that place with AI, too. And it's just going to get so messy. And it feels like AI is moving so fast that it's going to be way ahead of that for the foreseeable future and i just it's gonna get it's gonna get weirder before it gets better i think oh interesting i asked chat gpt it says i'm unable to retrieve the latest smartphone recommendations from the verge due to access restrictions on the relevant yeah, fox websites. media is one of the companies that that disallowed uh open ai scrapers i believe i i can't speak for the company but i think that was a company-wide decision did they do I'm with a, above uh, my google has proposed a robot dot robots.txt like blocking uh, mechanism did they do it that way or did they go to the open ai and said under no circumstances should you so open ai has that for gpt bot you can just okay, turn it do. off in your in your robots so anybody with content could do that they could just in their robots.txt say no ai scan it. so the that's regulation right. has to be that any ai vendor has to attribute where they trained their expert system that's that's really the only way to do it because right now it's it's really a hodgepodge. It's anonymous. They buy bulk content and they feed it to their expert system, and that's how they get their produced content. You're going to think I'm crazy, but I think that's antisocial. I think that 
uh, AI should be allowed to train on anything they want because we don't yet know how valuable AIs are going to be. And if you want AIs to be your local little local plastic buddy or you want an AI to, to cure cancer, you better not put too much restrictions on what the AI can learn any more than you restrict what a human can learn. You can come to me and say, hey, Leo, what phone did the Verge recommend? And I could tell you. Why is an AI different from that? Now, Benito, you have an interesting point. Should OpenAI be allowed to charge for that information? Yeah, if you said for $5, I'll tell you what the Yeah, that might be a little weird. And um, I think if you said what a if they did it for free? It. What if yeah. they did it for free? Would that be okay? I mean, you're not speaking for the verge at this point, David, but Yeah, I don't know. I I truthfully I, I get I get sort of twisted in circles trying to think about all of this cuz I think you think about what you're talking about, which is that we sort of owe it to each other to give these tools as much access and runway as possible. That's why you and put stuff ways- on the internet in the first place for free Absolutely. is because you wanted to share your knowledge. That's why we make these shows and we don't charge you for these shows. We have advertisers. We actually hope you will join our club because the advertisers are not covering the bill these days, but, but we don't force you to pay for it. The kind of the culture of the internet right now is to give this stuff away. And I think that's why the internet has become so valuable. I also think it's why a whole multiple generations of internet creators are feeling like they've been completely screwed by these systems and algorithms well, that don't care about yeah. them and don't care about their work just exist to bleed them dry of content. But, and, and I think if we're going to, if we, know. the pendulum has swung kind of too far in every direction. And I think the, this next phase <laughs> is about broken, trying to figure out what that's the one broken pendulum. It has swung to a place where it's going to be unsustainable for us to comp- Continue to provide this content for free. If there is no way for us to support ourselves while we're making this content, be it a podcast or a, a website or a magazine, then those expert systems will have nothing to train them. But you already on. have that problem. Yeah. That's why uh, people went again went after Google for snippets. Right. Is they felt right. like, and by the way, every single time a news publisher has gone after Google and said, "Well, stop publishing our search results." When Google exceeds to this, as they did in Canada, as they did in Australia, as they did in Spain, it's a disaster for the news operations. Google brings more value to the news operations than they take away. Well, they do because people will see those snippets and they'll go back to the website. And we we both get that. But what if, what if someone were to take all of the This Week in Tech episodes ever created, condense them just to the knowledge point, remove all the ads, and make it possible for people to follow your opinions and your advice More power to ever them. seeing the, an ad. That's a di- So what they would get if people did that is a very different experience than what they would get if they listened to the shows. And I am confident in the value we add okay. in, the, in the shows that it, the information is not... See, this is what's really important. Uh, we've talked about this extensively on the show, so mm-hmm. I apologize if yeah. you've watched our other shows. We had on Wednesday Kathy Gellis in talking about the right to read, which is a long-standing mm-hmm. First Amendment-backed right to read what you want. You're protected in that the right to read, and what these anti-AI laws are essentially do could not laws, but the court cases could potentially do if decisions go in my opinion, the wrong way, is inhibit your right to read by inhibiting the AI's right to read. And I think that that is a very slippery slope. Mike Masnick has made this case. He says the New York Times will very much regret this case against uh, open AI because they're doing the same thing. 
-hmm. And in fact, what I think is important to understand, to answer your question directly, the information we give out on the show isn't ours in the begin with. The information you get on our shows comes from Vox Media, comes from Windows Central, comes from all of the sources that you and I and everybody on these shows gather. We chew it up. What we give a value is our presentation, not the information. So if an AI comes along and creates that, uh, a presentation of that information from the AI and people want to use it, more power to them. But that is not competing with the, the service we provide. Uh, and it, and would by you way, feel if an the way, if an AI the... could do as well as we do, great, I'll retire. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I mean, back to your, uh, is this easier to say at the later stages of your career? Like that thing you just said is definitely easier to say at the, the later stages of your career. Uh, but I also think, I mean, you cast yeah, that but out it's far prote- enough. And then- so that, so, but when you say that, then that really underlines, this is a protectionist move right. to protect you in your existing career. But I don't think from a societal point of view, that is necessarily the right choice it's good for it's good for you know a journalist in the height of their glory because it protects them but is that what we want as a society uh and i think a journal I, I think anybody who's doing something today should really consider what is the value i add and i better add yeah. some real value that an ai cannot can't do yeah i had that exact conversation yesterday with my best friend about that is it the same point um i will say you know there are some solutions that can be done here microsoft has proposed um, you know, financial kickbacks when, because at least with Microsoft's Copilot, when it does the citations, it actually gives you a citation like a college paper um, and you can link back to those and they're pretty obvious. There's no reason why those and hyperlinks and those sites couldn't get a financial kickback from those results. So Google can do this. There are ways to do it. You know, I think Google's a little bit more egregious here with the way they uh, cite things. You know, this idea that you just get a wall of text and there's like no citations is pretty disturbing. Um, so I think there can be some creative solutions to this that can be done. But I always cite, by the way, when we do stories, I really, and you probably noticed this, I attempt to say, mm-hmm. oh yeah, this is David Pierce writing in The Verge, that kind of thing, because I think the citation is important. But on the other hand, I don't think it re- restores the value to you <laughs> that I have taken, right? Um, I mean, right. how many people follow that citation back to the original source? Oh, no, I got, I know what smartphone to buy. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Sure. No, I, I think that's totally fair. I, and I think the the other part of that is like if you allow for that argument, right, that it, the, the societal good outweighs what it does to my career. And I actually think that there's plausible stuff inside of that argument, Uh this is why, like, Sam Altman spends a lot of time talking about universal basic income, right? Because it right. just rewrites society. He understands society. That, he's, uh, that he's yeah. and so I think undermining the, our the, economic the, Whichever road we yeah. pick, it's way longer than, than we've agree. given it credit for until now, which is why I think it's so interesting and, and messy. And, like, there's just not enough money in the world to pay everybody for everything the right way right. all the time. Right. And uh, how we solve for that. Is is I think the question of the next decade. Actually, there probably is enough money, but there are a lot of people hoarding a lot of that money. <laughs> yeah, fair. There might be that point five percent like really owns a lot, a lot, a lot of <laughs> that wealth true. that we don't have. So I think distribution of wealth here could be uh, come up, but we don't want to go into socialism because God forbid. Uh, just remember, yeah. in the United States right now, the top one percent of of all wealth owners own more than the next sixty nine percent. Yeah. So there is a lot yeah. of hoarding. Now, back to the AI system, though, there, there's also a question of what it's training on. Now, I understand, Leo, I, I get your point that we actually take other people's content and then we represent it. 
That's that's always been our thing. That's, that's all Twit does. That's all Twit does. However, that's one step is to take to take content and to reanalyze it. But essentially, what we are are storytellers. We have a narrative form that we use that we think people enjoy. Now, what if an expert system is not looking at the content but looking at your narrative style? It's learning no, it your narrative copy. style. No, and I, I stipulate that it could, in fact, do exactly what we're doing right now. Right. Not yet. But someday, maybe 10 years, maybe five years, uh, in which case I should probably look for another line of work. But is that a societal good if future expert systems will no longer have that base of content on which to train? No, no. In fact, I don't think there's any societal good in in, in an AI duplicating twit. That's a complete waste of time. And no AI (laughs) should pursue that. However, in fact, you could argue it's probably a waste of time for me, too. But you could. But however... I think the problem is that we know that AIs also have the potential to cure cancer, to come up with vaccines, sure. to, to, to do protein folding, to do things in, that could ch- transform society. Uh, and, and, of course, this is where Sam Altman and the yeah. effective altruists go with their notion that there won't be a capitalist system anymore. That's why you need UBI, because uh, the AI will make you know, value creation kind of automatic and instantaneous. Okay, maybe that's the end of the road. I'm not willing to go that far. But I do think it's a mistake to hinder, just as we didn't hinder the internet in the early days because we weren't sure where it was going. Maybe we should have. To artificially. To artificially. At this point, I don't think we know enough to make rules about what AI should and shouldn't do. I I don't really have a big problem if people say, well, look, you can, you know, if CNN says... Okay, fine. Uh, you know, open AI, take all our content and give us a license fee for that. I, I don't have a problem with that. And if they if they can come up with a mutually agreed beneficial deal, which apparently they have, fine. But I think we'd really want to, if everybody says what Vox said, don't read me. The AIs, just as Sam Altman said, aren't going to be very useful, and we may miss we may be missing out on something that's really incredible as a result. Okay, is that possible? That's just, just, Maybe that's, I mean, did you the 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 SAG AFTRA thing? I think is interesting in this yeah. context too, because what one of the things that the actors in particular wanted was basically consent and compensation for use of their AI stuff, right? right? Because there, it is now in theory possible, and in in reality, it's going to be very possible very soon to just take the likeness of someone who has been in six movies replicate it digitally and then never hire that actor again. And I think just instinctively that feels wrong right. to me. Uh, and so the idea that the idea that I should lose control of my digital likeness because I have appeared on a screen before feels wrong. And uh, how we legislate that and what the consent decrees look like and how we should be compensated, all that remains to be seen. But I think if we land in this free for all place, there's just some like humanity that we lose if if everything I do just becomes by default training data for AI. It just feels bad. I don't know. I just don't want to live in that world. Well, Sam Altman and Larry Page would argue that you are a speciesist. That <laughs> yeah, you, and they have a lot more money than I do. So. You, be- you believe that humans should be protected against the next big evolutionary step. Uh-huh. And I'm sure the Neanderthals and the and the apes might have agreed with you, but... Uh, 
maybe maybe AI is the next evolutionary step. Is that really crazy to talk like that? By the way, the SAG after deal was interesting. They made a subsequent voice licensing deal. You might have seen this for games with Replica Studios. And some of the voice actors who make video game voices who do video are furious. Yeah. They said, how dare they license? We didn't ask us. How dare they? So what they've established, I think, is like scale where, you know, there's a minimum that you must pay if you take the actor's voices and use it, you know, and use it to train AI and create new voices. Um, Some of the actors are pissed. They said, how dare you? Uh, Veronica Taylor, who is the voice of Ash. And Pokemon said, how is this agreement passed without notice or vote? Roger Clark, the voice of Arthur Morgan, you know him and love him from Red Dead Redemption 2, said encouraging or allowing AI replacement is a slippy slope downward. I am. Look, I'm sympathetic. I understand how creators might feel ripped off by AI training on them or replicating them. Uh, I understand how George Carlin's daughter might be pretty pissed off. It'd be pretty easy to do all the voices from The Simpsons. I could do the yeah, voices yeah. from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do Apu anymore. Now they can anymore, just fix apparently. Rick and Morty. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay, wait. Uh, I, the new voice actors for Rick and Morty are really good, yes? Apparently none of us know. It's, I, I barely as watched good as you could want them to be. I think. I, I mean, I seriously, I watched. I've watched the season several times, and th- there were only a few times where I realized, yeah, that's that's a different person. But they, they cartoon got voices are pretty on. easy to duplicate because they are yeah, by their nature exactly, caricatures exactly. and. Look, Red and Stimpy season three was just not the same as uh, <laughs> <laughs> after they fired John Kay. But John Kay has his own issues. <laughs> I'm a big cartoon nerd. Actually, I, I do like the voice work. Like Bugs Bunny was never the same after Bell Blank. Like, yeah, that's true. Um, actually, that's true. And it's a subtle difference. I actually yeah. know the guy who does Elmer Fudd, the new Elmer Fudd. <laughs> we, did a, we did it. I think it was Elmer Fudd. We did a triangulation with him back in the day because he's, I mean, look, Mel Blank's gone. Yeah. You want to keep doing uh, new movies. Uh, you got to get somebody to take over. He actually is into. He had a, has a had a great story that when he was a kid, he wanted to do cartoon voices. He called Mel Blanc. He said you could look him up. He was in the phone book, so he looked him up in the phone book <laughs> as a twelve year old. He said, "Is Mel Blanc there?" And his wife said, "Yeah, hold on." And he went and got him, and he talked to him. And Mel Blanc said, "Good good luck to you, kid." And now he's doing uh, he's doing wow. Bugs. I think he's doing Bugs Bunny. It's a I'll have to find this, but we it was a f- fascinating interview. But you're right. I didn't tell him that. <laughs> I did not tell him that. Well, it's just different. I mean, someone who had never heard Mel Blanc before would think it's fine, would think it's great. That's, that's like, for example, um, the voice of Batman from the new uh, animated series. It's not my Batman. You know, it doesn't sound the same. Well, Batman's had many voices, Has, right? But Conroy yeah. is the Batman yeah, he's, actor. He's gone, He's right? gone now. Yeah. Uh, but there are people who never really heard Conroy. They heard Batman Bold and the Beautiful, the the more recent animated series. That's their Batman. So it's it's going to change from generation Bob, to generation. Bob Bergen is his name, and uh, was Triangulation One Twenty Two. Here, let me just play a little bit of this. I think we own the rights to this. <laughs> I hope we do. So many things in town I want to buy. But Daryl, this money is for me. Oh, do right. A lot of cartoon voices have that. 
thing. It's a very common thing. We know why. Why? They're easy to mimic. It's easy to do. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, as you were saying. That's right. Huh. So if you're going to do it, make oh, up I a character, don't do that. You, you know what? Here's, here's what you do. You, you start right there because that's what you've learned to imitate. Right. And then you look at the, at the specs. Yes. The character. The, yes. The, it says... Southern. So he's a southern kind of character. So make, <laughs> there and, you go. And then you see. There you go, my pal. And then you see on the, in the, in the He's got to be careful. AI is training on this. Because it's it's adult swim, yeah. so you can smoke. Right. And you just squeeze the back of your throat a little bit so he's got a little brown from the smoke. <laughs> now you're Scatman Crothers. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So this guy is great, and he is the voice of Bugs Bunny, as I remember. But also, uh, some great stories. That was Triangulation from 10 years ago, uh, episode uh, 7, what was it? 133, is that what I said? Yeah, one. no, 122. Porky Pig, he's the voice of Porky Pig and Tweety. <laughs> Tweety Bird. That's good stuff. <laughs> All right, let's take a break on that high note. Let's go out on a high note. Uh, our show... Great panel. By the way, so nice to have, especially for post-CES, Father Robert Ballas here with all his gizmos and gadgets. David Pierce of the Verge cast, so great to have you on. Not for the for the first time, but not for the last, I hope. Love having you on. And, and of course, uh, the, the wonderful uh, Daniel Rubino from Windows Central. Uh, our show today brought to you by Collide. <laughs> what do you call an endpoint security product that works perfectly? But makes your users miserable? Yeah, it's a failure. You know why? Because you're just going to find a way around it. The old approach to endpoint security locked down employee devices, rollout changes through forced restarts, and boy, that does not work either. People hate that. IT's miserable because they get a mountain of support tickets. Employees, they just start using their personal devices to get the work done. Oh, that's not good, because you know when those personal devices show up at the office or on the network, they're going to be a nightmare. And then the executives, oh, they opt out the first time. It makes them late for a meeting. They say, yeah, no, I'm not using this. You can't have a successful security implementation unless you, it work, you work with end users and end users like it. They can live with it. And that's where Collide comes in. Their user-first device trust solution notifies users... This is so cool. As soon as it detects an issue on their device, it then walks them through the solution. It teaches them how to solve it without calling IT. Oh, look, you know, you, you, uh, you, I'm sure you did this inadvertently, but you've stored all your SSH private keys in your download folder. Maybe we should move those somewhere else and secure them. User says, oh, okay. Now they're part of the team, right? Furthermore, untrusted devices are blocked from authenticating. The users don't stay blocked, but their devices do until they fix it. That's Collide in a nutshell. Collide is designed for companies with Okta. So Okta does the authentication, but Collide makes sure the device is secure. It works on Mac OS, Windows, Linux, mobile devices. Perfect for BYOD. If you have Okta and you're looking for a device trust solution that respects your team, and it has to or the team won't use it, go to collide.com slash twit. Watch that demo. See how it works. I think you'll be impressed. K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash twit. We thank them so much for their support for this week in tech. You know, before we go in, on with the news, I do. there's one thing I do want to do is plug our club. Oh, yeah. This is something we created a couple of years ago. I don't know if you were around when we... I don't think so. Right? No, I had, je- I had left the, the year yeah. before. But, but I think you've been very supportive with it. I think you recognize, we have all recognized that... Well, for years, for 15, 17 years, we've been ad-supported. That 
ad support for podcasting was dwindling, frankly. It's going to YouTube influencers. It's going to Google. It's going to Spotify. It's going to places where they, frankly, know a lot more about you and they can tell advertisers, you know, oh, yeah, we can give you 24 to 54-year-old men who live in Bergen County uh, who have incomes over 100,000. We know all of that. We don't. And that's hurt us with advertisers. We don't want to know. We like your privacy. We want to encourage your privacy. And frankly, we're not going to change on that. We're not giving in on that. Uh, so we've got to find other ways to monetize. And I think that's where the, the I'm so excited about what Club Twit has been able to do. Our original goal was if we have 750,000, maybe a little bit more unique listeners in a month. If we could get 5% of that, if we can get 35,000 members we wouldn't worry about advertising. So we created Club Twit and we made it affordable, seven bucks a month, that's all. Uh, you get ad-free versions of all the shows because we don't need you to, to hear the ads. Although I can't, this is a constant complaint on Club Twit. I want the ads. You can still listen to the ads. We're not going to stop you <laughs> if you want the versions with the ads. In fact, we've to make this a little easier, we've actually put in the show notes now for the Club Twit versions all the advertisers. So at least you know who's sponsoring the show, Okay. Uh, you get the Twit Plus content that we don't put out anywhere else. iOS Today is now inside the club. Home Theater Geeks, Hands on Macintosh, Hands on Windows, The Untitled Linux Show. We do a lot of great club-only content. Friday, Lisa and I turned on the cameras. She was making her world-famous ragu bolognese, her Emilio-Romagna classic Italian Sunday gravy on a Friday. And we and we we streamed it. It was about an hour. I think the people who watched it loved it. We had a great time. We want to do more of that stuff. So the club lets us do that. We have a great Discord, too. That's the other benefit of the club is there is a club within the club. It's a place where you can go and hang with other nerds, talk about the things you care about, whether it's comic books or or uh, alcoholic beverages, whatever, whatever gets you excited. Uh, that's where you can go. You get that. You get the ad-free versions of shows. You get special shows. But most of all, you get the warm and fuzzy feeling that you're making a big difference keeping us on the air. And we we think we have a job to do. Uh, I'm not I'm whether I'm ready to retire or not. I'm, <laughs> I want to keep this is started to get exciting, to be honest. A.I. has made this very interesting. And I think we have an important mission to help you understand it, help you use it, help you get what's real and what's hype. Um, and I want to keep doing that. So if you would like to help out, we would really appreciate it. Twit.tv slash Club Twit. I know I've gone on too long. I apologize. Oh, you know another benefit of Club Twit? You won't hear me begging you to join Club Twit anymore because you'll be a member. All right? We cut that part out too. You, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about doing is doing bringing back something like Know How on Padres Corner. Would you please? But on the Discord. On would you? For, for would Club you? Twit. Oh, absolutely. You can do that anytime you want. I'll I'd give you the keys. I'll give you the keys to the car. Yeah. You can drive off. Oh, we would love that. We, Father Robert, we would love that. I think one of the things, I don't know, we're looking at, I think podcasting as it stands, as as we did it in 2005, is is no longer really quite it. It's different. It's very different from even five years ago. Yeah. And I and what I always knew was that the big thing that we offered and that was, what it was all about was the community, was the people, not just the people in front of the camera, but the people behind the camera, everybody, the community of Twit listeners and viewers and so the what the, what really the discord lets us do is have that community be active and now i'm starting to think well we don't have to have a show 
it's we're all in this community so we can stream stuff we can do stuff we can be in the community i'm excited about that i think that's you know who inspired me is alex Lindsay with his office hours what he's doing there it's not really a podcast it's a kind of a ongoing 24 7 community you know in 2011 when uh i i did twit just randomly you invited me to twit and i rushed up to go to go do it because i was done in Burlingame. we had a conversation afterwards over uh over a meal and you said and i'll never forget this um the ideal show for us is something like uh, Car Talk on NPR. Yeah. Click and clack the the clack it brothers. Great show. The, yeah. yeah. And you Tap said it it's brothers, yeah. it, the type of starts right. Uh, it, the information is good, so you have to know your stuff. You have to know your stuff, but people are looking for um, a relationship. They're looking for an interesting presentation. They're looking for something that brings them into the story, uh, and that's what Twit was. And that I use that all of my years at Twit. Oh, well. Let's 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 do some more stuff. I think okay. there's a thing. The video on the Discord isn't great yet. Uh, I'm hoping Discord will improve that. Yeah, they just fired a bunch of people. <laughs> what is the? By the way, that's a story this week. I thought everybody was making record profits. Google just laid off a whole bunch of people. Twitch just laid off 35 percent of their team. Amazon just laid off people in the MGM and Amazon Prime division. Uh, I thought we were done with the layoffs. There were a lot of deferred layoffs because companies didn't want to heap on what was already a really bad year. So, so they just said, well, hang on, we'll fire them in six months. Well, they were wondering if maybe some of the divisions would turn around. There were some redundancies that they didn't eliminate right away. Uh, there, uh, Honestly, there were some products and services that failed and they were hoping would turn around and just didn't. So this is not a surprise. Uh, and it's not like the people who were let go are now destitute. They they do have skills that other companies are going to want. But yeah, those companies were a little overstaffed in some very specific areas. Is Microsoft has pretty much held the line, right? They had layoffs la- ended last year. Yes, they had th- yeah. three rounds. Three, I think three. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. In the video game market, same thing. A lot of uh, gaming yeah. studios have been laying off people. Yeah, Unity just laid off a huge number. I mean, I've, look, when you say Google laid off a few hundred people, it sounds like, well, God, out of a hundred, how many hundreds of thousands of employees, that's not huge. But every single person, that's a heartbreaker for. I, I know we've had to lay off people ourselves. Um, and these are companies that historically have just absolutely grown like crazy. Is that the problem? And so I think... Yeah. Oh, I, I think a huge part of this is that these companies yeah. vastly overhired during the pandemic. Um, and, and they have said as much and are still pushing past this. I mean, if, if you rewind to mid 2020, it was like nothing is ever going to be the same again. Zoom is about to be the biggest company in the history of the universe. Right. Like this is, this is, right. this was the stuff, right? And, right. and there was this big belief that nobody was ever going to go back to the office and we were going to sort of rewrite the rules of what it meant to be a person online. And then everybody realized that actually kind of sucks for a whole bunch of reasons. And most people went back to the office and started hanging out with their friends in real life because that's more fun than doing it on the internet. And a lot of things just sort of crested back to normal. And I think you saw these companies go backwards in a big way, really at the mm-hmm. beginning of 2023, when it became obvious that those trends were not going to stay. And I think we're still seeing that stuff linger. And especially now as these companies are all in on AI, AI is really expensive to run. It's really expensive to hire mm-hmm. against. It requires new skills mm-hmm. and new teams. Mm-hmm. You're seeing these companies say anything we're doing that isn't AI and doesn't 
print money for us is no longer worth investing our time and energy and money in because everybody is so all in on AI. And I think there, many of them will be wrong and Very they'll wrong. end up laying off a lot of these people again. But this seems to be this next turn that we're in right now. Well, so that's the question is how much do you read into this in terms, for instance, the co-founders of Fitbit are leaving Google, a whole bunch of Fitbit people are leaving Google. Does that mean that the Fitbit category is a failure or that Google's just consolidating? They've, they built in a lot of the features into the Pixel Watch. That one I can actually say pretty confidently is the, is the second thing. Um, Google bought Fitbit to speed up its work on the Pixel Watch. Uh, yeah. Fitbit was always a really good brand and not that good a company. And Google... After Apple figured out that the Apple Watch's main thing was health and fitness, Google went, oh, crap, if we're going to compete in this space, we have to do health and fitness and decided that rather than build that capacity from scratch, buying Fitbit was a quick shortcut to get there. And so I think this was always coming. Um, I'm a little surprised Google didn't manage this particular transition better over the last 18 months or so, but I'm, I was Are not surprised. At all surprised. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Well, also, nothing I mean, Google does organizationally ever surprises. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Louise Metzakis writing AR in, stuff. Go ahead. AR stuff. I was going to say they ever their like AR stuff where they pull back on AR, which who hasn't pulled back on bought, AR? Everybody's they, pulled they, back. They bought they bought North years ago, right? And it was like the one company I wanted. Like right. I wanted those they had a good product. I was about yeah. to buy them. Yeah, so I was like, all right, well, Google bought them, so maybe they'll come out with a right. product. And now it's like. What? They just nuked it all. And like, we're never going to get anything like we that. We reviewed him. Anthony loved him. Anthony Nielsen loved his uh, North glasses, I think. I, mean, I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, Anthony. But I seem to remember. That, yeah, they're gone. Louise Mitsakis, uh, writing for Semaphore, said Google also laid off hundreds working on Google Voice. Now, that's an AI thing. Uh, so is that a, like Fitbit, a consolidation of these teams into some other, under some other umbrella? David, or is that, it that one? I think is pretty clearly Google saying we've been down the wrong road with Google yeah. Assistant for a decade. <laughs> Bard is the future. Yeah, AI LLMs are the future. This Gemini model is the future, and we need to pivot all of the stuff we're doing underneath Assistant to be an AI project more than all the other stuff that they've been doing with. Uh, with assistant, not Google years. Voice. Assistant, I don't want to scare people with, who use Google Voice numbers. <laughs> the Google Voice Assistant. Right, say. I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Google Voice is perpetually on the edge of death anyway. So <laughs> I was going to say we're uh, all waiting for that one to die. I'll be sad when that happens, but not surprised. I, I'm waiting for yeah. them to restart Hangouts and move, move us back over to Hangouts, then back to Voice, oh, then to Alma. Actually, they're pivoting to a brand new messaging app, an AI messaging app. No, they are. People don't. Are you actually, making that up? I'm completely okay. making that up. Actually, Google I'm Voice sure is true, kept though. alive by the fact that the Google. Fi uses that. That's right. As their mm -hmm. as their number yeah. uh, porting system and as their messaging system. So I think voice might survive because unless Google Fi dies. Oh well. Oh, now, don't now say I'm really that. depressed. Don't yeah, don't don't speak that into existence. Oh, you just put that into the universe Leo. on the iPhone. No. Right. I wrote a story about Google Keep not that long ago, the, the note taking app. Oh, I love Keep. And it had gotten a couple of new features and there were a bunch of people who were like, Oh, what a great app. I love Google Keep. And then overwhelmingly our commenters said, Don't write about Google Keep. It'll remind <laughs> Google that it exists and they'll kill it. Don't do it. <laughs> what they don't know won't hurt them. Exactly. Yeah. There's just like one Googler preventing Keep from being killed. I've put it off long enough uh, since we started talking about AR. There were a bunch of AR. Sony had AR glasses. Uh, there, uh, a bunch of, was it Near had some AR glasses mm -hmm. at CES? 
But really, all of that was, I think, them saying, no, 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 no we're going to do it too. Us too. Because Apple has announced now that Friday, mm-hmm. the 19th, you can pre-order your $3,500 Vision Pro <sighs> helmet, nerd helmet, as uh, Joanna Stern calls it, uh, for delivery February 2nd. We're learning a little bit more about it, including Mark Gurman today in his newsletter, Power on Newsletter, saying, oh, and by the way, the the Apple store people who've gone to Cupertino for training have, are reporting back now that when you buy your nerd helmet, this is how it's going to work. You're going to scan your face before you go into the store. You make an appointment. It's because you got it's like going to the doctor's office. You make an appointment. You scan your face. You send it to them. You go in. If you're wearing eyeglasses, they have a machine that will give you your prescription. Which is good because I was worried I'd have to get my prescription. And then if they've got the right Zeiss lenses, they'll pop those in. They'll take the scan to decide what your headband should look like so it all fits nice. And then they'll you give them lots of money and they will <laughs> – I for, almost left that step out. And then they will sit you down and say, okay, now we're going to give you a 25-minute tour of the device. I was on the fence about whether I should get one. I feel like I should get one because we talk about it. I'm very skeptical. I think it's a piece of waste of time for Apple to do this. They missed the boat. They, you know, Meta already tried and failed and Meta's moved on. Apple spent so much money in so many years they had to do it, but it's going to be a big flop. But I think if I say that, I better try it. I better buy it. And then I found out I have to sit for a 25-hour yeah, demo. I said, no, no that's it. I'm not no, going to get one. 25 hours? Wait, what? Minute. 25 minutes. <laughs> it's going to feel like 25 hours. It's going to feel yeah. like that. Um, Micah asked a good question today and asked the tag guys, well, can you just leave? Can you say, okay, that's fine. I don't need the tour. I but then you, but then you can't take your goggles. It's, if you want, your nerd you, helmet stays in the no. store. It's. I mean, this feels like a propaganda. Like something like they're tying you to the chair. It feels like Clockwork Orange. They're tying you to the chair, <laughs> and you got to watch the video so that you become one of you us. You know why? I, I tell you why. Because it's not obvious what you can do with this thing. But that's so terrible. they want to sit you down for twenty five minutes to show you what you can do with it. So when you get home and you put it on, you're like, now what? You know, so I think they're trying to avoid that. But but isn't that doesn't isn't that the kiss of death for any consumer electronics project product is if you have to be shown how to use it for half an hour unless it's Apple. I think this is. We have to maybe. remember. I, so this is definitely. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. sorry, I was sorry. just going to say I think this is just one of those products that where you know they they want devs to get it, great experiences, and hopefully they find the path of something cool before they bring it down really to the consumer level. Uh, so, but that's so where they're starting. Even I, though I, I they are offering this to the public and they will be able to, they say, make half a million this year. And uh, certainly a lot of Apple fans will buy it. They're really the main market for this from their point of view is developers. This is a developer yeah. device. Didn't Microsoft do that with HoloLens? Yes. Yes. Exact same thing. And how did that, that work out? Well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, the military may get some at some point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But I'm not playing and Minecraft. I actually really Didn't like Google do that with Google I Glass? I really liked HoloLens. I, I, I honestly yeah, did. Yeah, HoloLens is great. But, okay, uh, that, Apple that's, that's, is trying to address something that has plagued the other headset manufacturers, and that is that that when someone gets a new device, especially a new expensive device, and they use it for 15 minutes and they think it's great, and then they put it back in the box and they never use it again. And that generates is, the perception of a failure. Is, by the way, have that. exactly what I did with the original Oculus Rift, the replacement right. Oculus Rift, the HTC Vive, the Oculus Meta Pro, all yeah. every every one I've ever bought. It's like, oh, this is so cool. This is so cool. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Yeah. And I, I just that's know the that's the weird what thing about all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, this technology is both amazing and will blow your mind. 
and also useless. And then blow your chunks. It could be both. It blows your mind and then it blows your chunks. (laughs) That's the slogan, by the way. I don't know. And it empties your bank account. Oh, yeah. After you've spent 30. No. Should I? Should I? Do I I have a responsibility? Look, Apple's never going to lend me I feel like you should. I mean, I feel like you should. Don't tell them that. I have a responsibility. You can always return it. Well, can you? If you don't want it. It's can you return it? Oh, I'm sure if you're able to I'm buy sure. one of these, I suspect the secondary black market for a vision oh, board yeah. is going to be something special at the beginning. And yeah. I won't require a 25-minute tour. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I could probably get most of my money back if I bought it. Unless Apple is pulling a Tesla and they'll sue you if you try to sell your uh, your goggles. That was wild. That would be fin- that would be spectacular. Yeah. They, they did that with a Cybertruck, right? <laughs> they, they, they said you cannot resell it for you a can't year. Sell it. Then they took it out and wow. then they put it back. I don't know. I feel like I've got the devil on one shoulder, Daniel Rubino. <laughs> I think you have to be the angel, Robert. Uh, no, no, no? I'm, I'm the ref. You're the ref? I think because I think you want to be at this moment to witness what could be one of the biggest failures of Apple. I think that, you know, we agree that it, it could go another way. But I'm on that boat that like, I, I think this is just maybe the technology in five years is something we'll want. I'll say, did you guys see what Xreal is doing? You know, no. they make AR glasses too, but they're around the three to $500 mark. It's way cheaper, way more practical. They basically, you can plug into your iPhone, Android, you can put into your gaming device. It's just a virtual display, but they have some add-ons and they announced a pro version that does have sensors and cameras on it now for more professional type environments. I find this a little bit more pragmatic and practical. Even the pro version has the ability to dim the glasses from like see-through to darker to pitch black. Mm. So they're using that, that, that right. electric uh, technology. Electrochromatic. So like the, yeah. yeah, electrochromatic. Yeah. And so there, you can get all that now for way cheaper. And it's, it's not as wow-ish as Vision Pro, but I feel like it's a uh, more specific tool for a lot of people. But I think Vision Pro is going to have a – until they can bring that price down and find usage for it, I, I don't know. Yeah, and and I'm, I feel the same way, but I, I will say if Apple learns and finds a way to make this a success and learns to make it work where everyone else has failed, uh, I mean, that's a, that would be amazing. That, sure. That, that, and that's what the stock yeah, that's what the investors want that to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, Apple's being punished right now by investors because iPhone sales have been as good as they expected. China is becoming a problem for them in terms of a market. And you know, over 50% of Apple's uh, revenue comes from the iPhone. So they need another product to win. And so people were hoping Vision Pro could be that product, but a lot of people right now are like, oh, that doesn't look like it's going to be the next Apple Watch. Even that is like, you know, that is high profit margins. Yeah. And, and they don't have the magic that they used to have. I mean, they, they it used they? to be, do they not? I don't think so. I, I mean, if, if they had released this eight years ago, Everyone would be flocking to it, yeah. and they would find a way to make it a Maybe success. Maybe if they released it with a handy for that. <laughs> no? <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's I, I, Vision Pro. It's something about having vision. a priest in the studio that really makes brings out the worst oh in me. Oh, my somehow. goodness. <laughs> Ironically, I guess, you know, porn could be the saving grace of Vision It won't Pro, be, though. That's the funny thing. Uh, That's what killed Betamax, right. right? Is they wouldn't allow porn on it. VHS did. Yeah. Betamax went away. Apple would never. Look at Apple yep. won't let you buy right. adult stuff on their app store. Actually, that's a CES story. Remember when they thought that porn was going to win the high definition format for not uh, D- not Blu-ray, but <laughs> DVD, was, HD, HD, HD DVD, DVD. Right. like, well, HD DVD has porn, so therefore it's going to win. And, and it, guess what? It didn't. <laughs> at CES. Yeah. At they CES. announced they pulled the plug. Mm-hmm. And uh, oops, 
Yeah, that was the end of the line on that one. Um, I think Apple would never allow porn on this thing, so maybe that's that's the problem. I mean, you can honestly, I not that I have, but well, you could on your Oculus device or your HTC device. I guess if you have a browser. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, because that's what I want. I Why want am to... I asking this question? I know this is not not my interest, David. Uh, you're going to have to be the tiebreaker. Should I get this thing? Yes. I'm easy, easy choice. You have to get one. These are just the rules. I don't no. make them. Uh, I am, I am just, I am just here to relay them. Will to you help you me eBay it I when I decide? I well, Leo, there's space in the shelf right over <laughs> there. Sure. That yeah, there's space right on the there, on the antiquated, go. obsolete, and never used technology <laughs> right next to the giant floppy disk with the Death Star plans. Actually, mm -hmm. that'd be a good place mm -hmm. for it. Um, I don't know. No, I, I actually think you will enjoy the Vision Pro as a thing because it is. It asks a really funny question, which is, what if we made the headset good? Right. Uh, <laughs> Would that turn anything? it around? Would that make a difference? Right. Like, because, yeah. because the difference so far has been none of the headsets are very good. They're uncomfortable. They kind of yeah. look like crap. They don't have that much to do. And Apple's thing is like, I, I've seen one demo for 30 minutes, but like, it was good. They did the thing. Did you, you got uh, the demos when at WWDC, you were one of the people I got the who got a demo. So yeah. people who have used it do say this. I mean, Jason Snell said the same thing. It's very good. Is it? Is it anything? Do I want to use it for a long time? What am I supposed to do in there? I have absolutely no idea. But that's why I think this thing is so interesting because it's not going to be, wouldn't it be cooler if this headset were good? It's going to be, do I want a this headset? As and good I, as I it could possibly know. be because Apple has invested hundreds of billions and, and there's, the price is no object. This is a, a, you know, absolutely the case that this is a techno lust object of of you know no holds barred let's put every even the weird scary eyes let's put every possible technology into this thing totally yeah and not hold yeah back. and meta has said over the last couple of years like you know of course we could build a better headset with higher resolution but and nobody would buy more it. battery life and all that stuff, but it would be super expensive and right. nobody would buy it and apple's just like well we're apple we're really, my really good at making people buy expensive stuff like watch this yeah what, so, David, you're going to get a loner, probably. I, you, you don't have to worry about that. I, I sure hope so. Uh, I don't think I'm on the reviews list, personally, at any point in the near future. But I, I suspect at some point there will be one I can steal from the office. So, given that I'm going to be spending what is my own money on this thing, would you spend your own money on it? That's the question. No. <laughs> Thanks a lot. But you have to, because you asked. Thanks a lot, so, buddy. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Oh, no. I pro you know what? I, you made the good point. I could probably resell it. There's going to be a, a, you know. So there David, will be a secondary market. Uh, if, if, uh, how, how much would you pay? <laughs> would you pay 3400 3300 <laughs> I could have an auction. I should, I should go. Yeah. This is... Wait, but isn't there a lot of personalization, like the lenses and the headset? Yeah, well, I'd have to take stuff? the lenses are 150 bucks, and I would have to get glasses lenses because I wear glasses. Uh, I think the soft little headband. They, there's not an infinite number of choices. You could probably no. It probably if your head size is roughly the same as mine, it would work. I don't know. But I remember with yeah. like the vibe, you need you need to like make sure yeah. that the things were the no, right it's got to fit each other. So that I mean, that's why Apple has a fitting for you to buy it. Yeah, which makes the secondary market harder. Yeah, is it? I don't know. Doesn't they it just might, change the it, band and the interface for the? They change the, the band goggle? and they yeah, and then they customize it if you wear yeah. glasses, but. I'm sure you can get aftermarket Zeiss lenses because yeah, you should be able to go back to the store and just yeah, like say, hey, hey, I bought this in the, I bought this used. No, you didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we only think you bought it used. We don't sell these. We only license them. 
Uh, it'll be interesting. I don't. I still haven't decided. I'll be at my mom's. <laughs> don't do it, Leo. <laughs> do, do it. it. Don't do, do it. it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so just, but I mean, uh, if I'm completely, if if this is like the beginning of a revolution, see, it's not the beginning it's of not. a revolution. Couldn't it's possibly not. be the beginning of a revolution. Nobody wants to put a computer on their face. Now, when they come out, and I will be the first in line to buy them, something like the Meta Glasses. In fact, I almost bought the Meta Glasses because they're so close. Something like that with a heads-up display and good sound and an AI built in. Will I buy that? I'd be the first in line to buy that. Even if it costs more, I'd be the first in line to buy it. Well, and I think everyone agrees that's where we're headed, yeah. right? Like, Apple is doing this thing this that Apple Newton. likes to do. This is the where Newton. It prote- it, maybe. It may, Newton might even be charitable, to be honest. But I think... Apple is doing the thing where like with the the googly eyes on the front and all the different stuff in the headset, they're trying to pretend this is the way it's supposed to look. And it's not. And even the people at Apple would tell you that the way it's supposed to look is like a pair of Ray-Bans sunglasses. Like that's where we're headed. That's what we want. And the question is, can Meta build the right hardware and then figure out how to get the software in it faster than Apple can build the right software and then solve the hardware. And those two things are just like racing towards each other from opposite directions. And Ski goggles are not the answer. I'm so, so, so confident that ski goggles are not hey, the answer. Hey, if they were as light as and as comfortable as ski goggles even, I'd be happy. But this is not. This is heavier than that. This is... Oh, yeah. This is... You're, <laughs> oh, and I should say ski goggles attached to a cable attached to a battery yeah, in your yeah, pocket. and a four-pound, you know... Look, look, I love tech demonstrators, yeah. and when when I've been able to play with some of the more advanced high resolution goggles, I, I like what I see for about five minutes. But it's back to the meta proposition, which yeah. is: Would you spend your entire day working in a pair of goggles? No, no, no one wants to do that. No. Nobody, no one's even thinking about that. So, yeah. I, I don't understand what the end game is, other than we designed this, we invested in it, therefore we have to release it. My wife said I could buy it, but only if I return it. <laughs> That's not going to happen think, either, Leo. I you know that. Said, I think she said buy it, but you have to return it. Leo, do you, do you remember when we had the brick house? And yeah. uh, well, once every six months, you would put a box on the table. I the still do room, that. The Leo's garage sale. filled with all yeah. the Leo stuff. This is like, going to end up in that box. It's, gonna, it's the Leo's. Somebody said in the Discord there'll be a line around the block during Leo's garage sale this time. <laughs> Let's take a little break. Our last break uh, of a great show with a wonderful panel, Father Robert Balasser, the digital Jesuit from The Verge and The Verge cast, editor-at-large David Pierce. That's a good title, editor-at-large. That means you could do Thank anything you. you want, kind of? It's it's sufficiently impressive and also meaningless, which is just <laughs> the exact sweet spot I was going it for. It kind of sounds like there's a warrant for his arrest or something. It's, uh, he's now at large, large yeah. there's a... Uh, all points bulletin out for David. Yeah, Pierce. they don't allow me in the office anymore. Yeah, <laughs> do you go in? No, we. Nice. Uh, I'm in Washington D.C. We have an office in D.C., but no one I work with is really here. So I, I go in every once in a while just for the human contact. Go, Who but are that's, you? That's about it. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a nice gig. That's nice. Were you at uh, when you were at the Journal? Were you also in D.C. for the Journal? I was in San Francisco. When I was San Francisco. In well, yeah. How did we not run into each I other? I lived in D.C. for four I years. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to have you on, and I hope you'll come back. We love having you on. And, of course, somebody who does come back, and we're so glad to have him, Daniel Rubino, editor-in-chief of Windows uh, Central. I recommended, now, maybe I made a horrible error, Daniel. You maybe should 
correct me on this. We had a caller who was going to upgrade. He was on Windows 7. He wanted to upgrade to Windows 10. And you, as I think I'm right when I say that Microsoft finally turned that free upgrade off. They had it for years. And a couple of months ago, they finally turned that server off. It was in somebody's closet yeah. and they found it. So you have to pay. But instead of paying $139, I said, you can go to places like Kingwin and they will sell you for $27 a, a, a license that's legit, right? Am I wrong on that? Is that like a pirated kind of usually? A thing? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not pirated. Uh, usually, that stuff is pretty legit. Um, you do have to be careful here and there and make sure you're reading reviews. Uh, this is one Tom's yeah. Hardware recommended. They're they're a Polish game company, Kingwin, like penguin, with a K I N G at front. Twenty five seventy two for Windows eleven Pro. That's a lot less. It's an OEM key. Right. So what does that even? That means somebody it was for a builder, right? But he didn't use it. Yeah. Exactly. And it would be no good if he had used it because they, you know, Microsoft crosses it off the list if somebody activates it's, it. It's a, actually illegal for them to sell it, but it wouldn't be illegal for you to use it. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're not. I remember it, Newegg, yeah. you, could buy, you could get one of these, but you'd have to buy a piece of hardware. Correct. Because Correct. then you'd be a builder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, that's legit. You're, you're not supposed to be able to buy an OEM copy of the operating system unless you're buying hardware that. that OS is supposed to go on. Top. Yeah, I did this uh, for my uh, MacBook because I, I didn't want to. I just wanted a cheap license for Windows on ARM, and it worked. And it was twenty five bucks or something. So you know, back in the day, you used to be able to buy a mouse pad, and that would technically count. As, yeah, anything. You know, it's like okay. I'm a builder. I see. I got a mouse pad. <laughs> mouse pad. Oh, we have coffee. Well, with it's the good. mouse pad, it counts. All right. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying you said it was okay, Daniel. Don't worry. I'm not putting you on the. Spot. I'm just, <laughs> Bye. If it's really, really wrong, and then uh, you should tell me now, so I can re we can edit that out of the show. But I did it. I did nothing wrong. It worked. It worked. It worked. Still working. This week in tech is brought to you by Bitwarden. Oh, you know, we all know AI has unlocked a world of new innovations and unexplored opportunities for individuals and businesses. But did you also know the information you enter into online platforms, including those powered by AI, could be compromised if not properly secured? Balancing the potential of AI and the need for heightened security can be a daunting challenge. Fortunately, there are simple ways to secure your private information online in the age of AI. You know what we say. The first step to mitigating risks using strong and unique passwords for every online account. We are big believers at Twit in password managers. And there's only one I use. The only one I recommend. It's Bitwarden. Generating and managing complex passwords is easy and secure with Bitwarden. And by the way, I love Bitwarden because it's open source, which means it's people can contribute to it. You can look at the source. And most of all, it means it's free forever if you use the personal version. That's unlimited passwords, unlimited devices. And now it supports passkeys, and that's free forever. They've got a Teams plan as well. All your passwords, your passkeys, your sensitive information all the information about the sites you visit is encrypted with strong encryption on Bitwarden. And you can do it across multiple devices and platforms free forever. Keeping you secure at work, at home, or on the go. That's Bitwarden. Get started with a trial free of Bitwarden's team or enterprise plan. Or get started for free across all devices as an individual user at bitwarden.com slash twit. Bitwarden. It's the best. Bitwarden.com slash twit. Fun week this week. Uh, did did AI Leo try to do the promo again this week? No. Okay. He keeps trying to do the promo. He's trying to put me out of work. We do have a little video showing you what you missed. Watch. 
CES is a wonderful hodgepodge of tech that <gasps> Father is Robert. tech hey, that could be that. and tech that will probably never see the light of day outside of the show floor. I but like it helps to it like absorb this. the show if you focus oh, on it. the well, you themes just, I, I really, trends I mean, rather than the singular products. Previously on Twit. Twit events. A trend is electrified vehicles. Kia has an interesting concept in its PBV, which stands for Platform Beyond Vehicles. It's a minivan-sized frame that is modular, letting you build the vehicle out the way that you need it. Tech News Weekly. A really weird trend going on in TikTok uh, as there is a nine-month world cruise underway and TikTok has basically made a reality show about it. You have these retired people becoming influencers. Nine months is a long time. We're all expecting that a bunch of drama is going to happen. This week in space. When the budget director says, wow, nine nine months on a boat with influencers? Oh, jeez. By the end, it would just be me. Then when one of them will come on. (laughs) 300 get on. Only one gets on. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. We're coming. And suggest to him that they turn this moon landing program into a joint effort. Actually, we can set up. Microsoft announced a new key for Windows keyboards for Copilot. Copilot will one day maybe replace Start. You know, that this will be our app orchestrated. And this is where we will literally start lowercase s you know, getting stuff done. And yeah, that's that's fine. And, and, and in the five to 30 years it takes for that to happen, you know, maybe we can talk about this key, but maybe at that point that becomes the Windows key. I mean, what's the difference? Twit. Subscribe, download, tell a friend while you're at it. Tell a friend while you're at it. Thank you to the great... Uh, Jim Cutler, our VO guy, he does such a good job with those. Uh, he he has been doing VO for you for since the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah. He's really he actually did it for Tech TV. He is your Kevin Conroy. Yeah, he is. He's amazing. He's he does uh, booth announcing for I think ESPN, a lot of radio stations, TV stations across the country. Did I did I ever tell you the very first time I ever met you? It was at Didn't the old. You just tell this story. No, no. It was at the old Tech TV studios. Oh. You and Patrick Norton were making a cantena <laughs> out of a Pringles can. Out of a Pringles can. I was in the audience. <laughs> that, was, that was that was back in the days. That was fun. Uh, all right. This is where we're down to the seeds and the stems of the news stories. If the the shake that's filtered. You're really good with that lingo. I'm Leo. getting there with the Wait kids. A I'm uh, young with the kids. Microsoft is uh, testing a new AI-infused battery. Daniel? What the hell are they talking about? (laughs) I have too much thoughts on this, but uh, yeah, I mean, listen, batteries are... It's big. Stuff is so important. They built a clock. Look, see? Look. Mm. Yeah. This was the demo for Satya Nadella. I think they made a clock to show Satya that they could do this. That's pretty. This cool. is where we need a lot of research and investments and, you know, innovation because batteries are so critical now, whether it's, you know, EVs or all the products we use. The, and lithium ion is just, you know, between the mining of it and like the issues that go on, uh, you know, we need alternatives using AI, which is just, you know, I mean, sure, here they're just about machine learning, looking at patterns of usage and, be, you know, best optimizing uh, the flow, I, I think is probably the right solution for this but there there should be some major breakthroughs because we haven't really had any in batteries the biggest breakthrough batteries have had is fast charging which is great but that also can degrade the battery so you know that's another issue too right this This kind of thing by the way is like exactly along the lines of the the like societal good ai stuff you're talking about yeah because it's this is essentially just 
a mountainous research project done by a supercomputer. Uh, and there was that thing a few weeks ago where Google discovered like hundreds of new materials mm. with its AI research. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of thing that like humans legitimately cannot do. You could spend your life reading scientific research papers and never come up with the kind of breakthrough it takes when you've read hundreds of thousands of these, which these computers can do. And they, they find simple things like what if we replace lithium with sodium? And this is the kind of thing, like, I feel like every six months, somebody is like, we've reinvented the battery. This is going to change. Right. And it's always like a ninth grader at a science fair who might have invented something. And this is sort of the corporate equivalent of that. Uh, and even the Microsoft folks told Harry McCracken, who wrote the, the story you were just showing, um, that they were doing this basically as a proof of concept for an Azure tool. <laughs> like they didn't <laughs> fix batteries. They did an Azure thing and might have fixed batteries on the side, which is like, if that's not the best case you're ever going to make for AI, I don't know what is. This is just, it's trial and error at scale. I mean, they were well, able, and they don't even yeah, have yeah. to physically do it. So there, I don't know if this is true. I think it's not. But the fairy tale I was told in school is that Thomas Edison, when he's trying to make a working light bulb, went through 1,600 different materials, 40,000 pages of in his notebook, trying and failing, trying and failing until he figured out that oh, it was a carbonized cotton made a filament that would last a few hundred hours, long enough that it was financially viable. That's the kind of thing an AI could do in a, right. few, in a few seconds. Well, uh, plastics, right? polymers. That was an accidental discovery. Yeah. It, it was just someone who was mixing chemicals one night and left it overnight and it turned into a solid plastic. Now, you know, Microsoft was able to go through, 30, was it 32.6 million different combinations to finally get a better battery, battery chemistry. So it's, it's nothing that we haven't done before. It's just trial and error. But with the power of a supercomputer at yeah. scale, being able to do millions of well, protein folding, another example. Yeah, where, exactly. You know, remember we had folding at home and everybody was dedicating their computers and to ideas. That I, I'm not sure I understand it, but you're 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 trying different combinations right. of proteins mm-hmm. to create new mat- new materials. I don't know what you're up to, but there's it's a good reason for it. It's, anyway, I had my computer running folding. At I home. did SETI. SETI, SETI, SETI I, I figure we're never going to find aliens, but maybe I can find a protein. Uh, the computer, they, apparently these AIs are doing it lickety. They don't need folding at home anymore yeah. because the AIs do, AIs do it so efficiently, so effectively, and they've already found uh, new protein folds. Um, that's To me, that's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. We don't want to become so protective that we harm our future, in effect. But isn't it a large language model doing that stuff? I don't think it is. Is it? I, I don't know. I personally don't no, know. It, it is an expert no. system, but it's not an LLM. See, it's not an LLM. It's not the, right. the thing that we're trying to replace Hollywood writers with. Yeah, but right, This uh, is step that. one of the AI question, I think, right, is we have to stop calling everything AI. Right, right. Uh, yeah. is, like, we just need a bigger vocabulary for how we talk about this stuff because right now everything from, like, the the thing in my computer that sets my alarm to these things working with new materials to reinvent batteries and, and solve protein folding. We're going to call all of that AI. And that's ridiculous. Like we, we just need better terms for this. And then we can start figuring out how to deal with each of those individually. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a complicated subject and we're trying to understand it and maybe using gross tools and gross terms that don't actually apply to the real issues at hand. And that's one I think of the that's probably normal for everything. Yeah. We did that with computers. We did it right. with the internet. That's just like when we get new things, we get one name and then we get a bunch of names and then we start to figure it out. So but I that's think, I think also we'll why you don't want somebody to come in who thinks they understand it and say, no, these are the rules. Now, EU is already doing that. 
uh, I think with a fairly light touch. We were really good at it for a while of making sure that we weren't calling it AI because we understood this is right. not true AI. We called it deep learning. We called it big data. It's, it's the same thing. That's just, it's, what we have now is just progression from that. The, the ability to take massive data sets and turn it into some actionable data. Yeah. But AI is such a catchy term. And when the mainstream picked up on it, that was it. There's, there's no turning back from it. Everything has to be AI now. I think we're also seeing, though, stuff now that gives me some pause. It makes me think, you know, maybe AGI is not a pipe dream. That maybe what it is humans do that we give so much credit to uh, isn't really that different from a deterministic machine. And maybe it's possible for AI to, to have consciousness. I mean, isn't that uh, Robert Sapolsky's new book? Is it? Where he undermines free... Yeah, his uh, his whole thesis is that there's no such thing as free will, that it's determinism. Right. Which, sadly, I agree with. I don't want to be... <laughs> I don't want it, that to be the answer, but when you look at the scientific explanations about free will, it's really hard to right. rectify. He wrote uh, uh, a, a, a wonderful book, uh, Behave, which I loved. His newest yeah. is The Illusion of Free Will. Oh, I'm going to have to read that yeah, one. Even, even if it's, it's completely good. deterministic yeah. or completely quantum, either way, you don't have control, yeah. right? Either way. What, what yeah. if humanity is actually just a really complicated Chinese box? Well, now, we happen to have a, a Catholic priest here. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I think uh, so, uh, one thing I should point out is that you're a Jesuit, which is of all of the Catholic what it, orders, know, homes, yeah, the orders, orders the most rationalistic and the most scientifically bent and most... In we like to think so. Yeah. Uh, I went to Siena College. That was Jesuits. Oh, okay. There you Did go. You? See? There you go. We got a lot of yeah. Sure. I mean, obviously, yeah. if you're if you're Catholic you, or, or religious <clears throat> person, you believe in the soul. Correct. And the soul is something beyond the physical body. Correct. Or the processes in our Correct. brains or even our enteric... <laughs> nervous system it's more than the sum of all your experiences yeah. your intelligence your matter etc is, is the soul can is the soul something that makes a difference in the quality of our reasoning or consciousness only if you've accepted the end user license agreement <laughs> you have to click that is button. it a shrink wrap <laughs> <laughs> i mean but that's the really the fundamental question is can an ai which is clearly soulless if even whether you believe in the soul or not doesn't have a soul is there a difference between the mechanistic systems that the human brain goes through and and something that a computer could go through if we got really good at it is there a difference between that and the human and is the soul the determining difference we would love to tell you that except we really we don't, don't understand uh, the, the human brain we don't understand right. how the human thought process works we, so we, we think we do we can approximate it but until we can actually define why it is that we think certain things when we think them, then I can't make that get a valid comparison. Yeah. You know, I can, I can take you through the lines of code of even the most advanced LLM, the most advanced expert system. I can explain why it made a certain decision because it had this data set and this data set and it correlated these two data points. I cannot do that for the human brain yet. I completely understand. It's very easy for Sapolsky or anybody to say, no, it's clearly deterministic. Right. And, uh, you know, anything anything you believe about free will is imaginary. But it's just as easy to say, no, no, there's a soul. Right. It's, it's, in a, it's a leap of faith in both ways because we don't know. We don't. We don't. We, and, and anyone who does is either making a, a, a guess, maybe an educated guess, or they're just trying to sell you something. Trying to sell you something. Well, yeah. 
A lot of people I, in I Silicon say, Valley. I mean, Sapolsky does. He does. Yeah, he does go through like the scientific literature. His point is not that there's like even like one experiment that you know disproves right, right. free will. There's just a bunch of things that we know from psychology, and neurology. You know, there's a famous um, experiments where they did with um, event related potentials, EEGs, electroencephalograms, the measures of brain waves, and when people would make a decision, and they would act on the action. And what they showed was that their brains were acting on something, and then the brain was making a decision like a split second after. So it wasn't really you making the decision, but it's the illusion that you're giving yourself to making a decision. It's really interesting because it has to do just with the way neurons work. If there's no, when you have a thought and you go to make a decision, there's no single neuron that starts that. Correct. It's, it's buildup of all the neurons based on your past history and experiences that then lead to a decision. The so best experiments kind of- that I've seen have been using fMRIs to show which parts of the brain are actually active during any yeah. thought process. That because- says MRI, that's a functional MRI that's right. actually operating while you're thinking exactly. so they can observe exactly. the physical process. Right. It, it's, it's, it's actually very incredible to watch, yeah. to see the different parts of the brain light up. This is where the electrical activity is happening. And like you said, we, we kind of understand how it's happening. You've got the interaction of neurons that trigger from any particular thought, which also leads to creative thinking because sometimes there'll be a correlation that you would not have imagined would have occurred. But we still cannot explain why those neurons act when they do, nor can we explain why certain memories and certain pieces of data are stored within the neurons that a thought pattern will go through. Um, Now, is it absolutely necessary to know precisely how the human brain st- the brain works in order to say it's deterministic or if it's completely free will? Not necessarily, but um, but to say one way or another is conclusive. I think right now that would be very premature. Well, on that note, I want to thank you all for being here, David. I want to thank you and thank Frida and Finney for staying pretty quiet during the entire episode. Except- Briefly. Yeah, it went better than I expected. <laughs> I, I saw uh, that. And this got exactly as existential as I expected, <laughs> so I'll take it. Uh, one's a chihuahua, and I don't know what the other one is. Uh, uh, she's a she's a beagle mix oh, of some kind. I recognize just like the a beagle ears. Maniac. Those yeah. ears, oh, I just want to bite beagle ears. I don't want to bite through them, but they're just so <laughs> soft and luscious. Oh, I love yeah. them. That's so sweet. I saw the kitty on the other screen. I, I, and then there's a kitty with oh. Daniel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got a farm. I got all rescues. <laughs> cats, three cats and two dogs. Oh, I love that. I, just, I, I've got eight cats. We just did the DNA on the dogs. Father Robert has the Vatican. I have the Vatican. He has strays. <laughs> There's a rule in Rome. It's kind of interesting. They're legally protected. They're protected. Stray cats and are protected. And that goes back to the time of the plague because they were keeping the mice population down. But do they make an effort to feed oh. them and care for them? Uh, enough people do. People will do, not People the government. Do, not the government. But you are feeding four, eight beautiful cats. Eight beautiful cats. Well, I, six permanent ones, and then another two are sort of uh, sometimes residents. I love. And is the best place to see that on, on X? It's or? still on. Yeah, oh, I still call it Twitter. <laughs> Twitter? <laughs> it's Twitter. It's Twitter. I'll never call it X. I'm sorry. I like it when they call it X because then there's no confusion with Twit. At least we've gotten past that. Oh, that's uh, true. that X, formerly known as Twitter. I, most people have Twitter. dropped the formerly known as formerly known as. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I still just call it Twitter. Yeah. Right, everybody fine. calls it Twitter. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, you are Padre SJ on uh, on the Twitter on the I X, am. and the Vaticats live there. And Padre SJ on Twit.social. 
And on our Mastodon, which, by the way, I should plug more often. <laughs> we run our own uh, Mastodon server, and it really is a great place to hang. Uh, you do have to apply, and I have to let you in. You have to demonstrate that you listen to our shows. But all you have to do is say, oh, yeah, Leo sent me or something like that, and I'll know. That uh, that's but that's one of the ways we keep it really. Uh, really Doesn't good. AI Leo post on on uh, your? Uh, you know what? Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> he is he does not have an account yet. Uh, but we would love to have you as a listener. Twit social. There's also our forums, the uh, discourse forums that we run at uh, twit community. Um, two ways you can kind of interact with the shows that we we really love uh, having you uh, there. But of course, the best way is join the club. And we'll see in the Discord. You know, you don't, you know, there's plenty of ways to do it. Robert, uh, heading back to Rome or how long are you going to be in town? I will be in town for another 10 days and then I head back for the next probably six months or okay. so. Okay. I'll be yeah. there in a moment. Right. <laughs> I'll save you a robe. Hold me some gelato. <laughs> I'll be. I'll bring you to the best gelato place in Rome. I hear. I heard. And I want to go. It's meant one of many reasons. I'll take you to the best pizza place in Rome. How about okay. that? Yeah. How about that? Thank you, uh, Robert, for bringing all this fun stuff in. It's always great to see. Always you. a pleasure, our dear friend, Father Robert. David, thank you for being here. You, uh, you pleasure. were, you fit right in. I hope you'll come back. Editor in large at the Verge. Is it the Verge guest? Anything you want to plug? Uh, read the Verge. It's a good website. Uh, listen to Vergecast, available where all fine podcasts are sold, and tell Neilai to shut up about the Frame TV. Oh, Neilai, I'm going to hear from him. I can tell. You know, he used to be a regular on the show, then he got too big. Maybe it's because he got a frame. I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> changes great. everything. Yeah, change frame changes everything. He's been saying that. Uh, thank you so much, David. Really appreciate your being here. Welcome, uh, and of course, uh, our friend Daniel Rubino, editor in chief of Windows Central. Great place to go to get the latest news about Microsoft. Anything you'd like to give a plug to? Nah. <laughs> I love it. I'm good. I'm good. You got nothing. Follow me on Twitter. Yeah. I occasionally post there, though not as much as I used to, just because I'm more antisocial than ever. Um, but yeah, no, Windows Central, we're, we're, we're doing a lot. It's a busy year for us. You know, Qualcomm, AMD, Intel, uh, AI, it's just going to be a massive year for us, and we're really excited, and our writers are just doing some incredible work. It's kind of fun. It was, for a while, it was feeling like technology for a few years was feeling like, eh, nothing new is happening. There's, It's not what it used to be, just another iPhone. Well, there were th there were two straight CESs where it was nothing but iPhone cases. Yeah, and now all of yeah. a sudden, and thanks to AI, I think. Uh, there's some there's yeah. some real excitement about what technology could bring us and and what it could space exploration too, uh, you know the uh, emergence of EV climate uh, change and how we're dealing with it. There's a lot of stories in yeah. technology that are important and interesting. But but a big one, big one coming up, I think, is uh, 3D TVs. They're really that's going to change everything. It's I have a pair of glasses. I'd be glad to give you. At no charge if you just take them off. They're a little dusty. Yeah. Oh, but no. other than that, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, David. Thank you, Father Robert. Thanks to all of you for joining us. We do Twit Sunday afternoons, 2 to 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific. That's 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern. Now, I tell you that because we do stream it live now on YouTube. If you're in a club member, of course, you can watch in the Discord. We stream there all the time. But when the shows come on, uh, the public shows that we do come on, we, we, we turn on the stream at YouTube.com slash Twit. Uh, if you if you subscribe to that channel, you get a notification. Otherwise, if you know you know a show's on, just come on over and watch it. Uh, and if you are watching, you can chat with us in our Discord. Love having all of you there. If you're not a yet club member, twit.tv/clubtwit. The uh, I, I do want to mention that we are still uh, 
getting survey results in, and we'd love to hear from you. I want to make sure uh, listeners to every show uh, report in. So twit.tv slash survey24. It's our annual survey of our listeners. It helps us understand who you are, what you want. Uh, It also helps us sell advertising, and uh, it makes a big difference in our bottom line. So uh, if nothing else, take the survey, twit.tv slash survey24. After the fact, you can get this uh, show uh, on demand, there's a lot of ways to do it. The website, of course, has audio and video. There's a YouTube channel de- dedicated to This Week in Tech. You can go there. That's a good place if you said, oh, I want to share something Father Robert showed or a clip of something we talked about. YouTube makes it very easy to clip it and share it. Uh, that's a great way to kind of help spread the word about Twit. That's very helpful to us. We appreciate it. Uh, and we also appreciate it if you subscribe. That way you get it automatically. You don't even have to think about it. You'll get every show the minute it's available in your favorite podcast client, whether it's on Apple or Google or Pocket Cast or Overcast, whatever you like. Uh, all of those feeds are available at the website, twit.tv, if you can't find it elsewhere. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thanks to our studio manager, John Jammerby Slanina, Benito Gonzalez, who chimes in from time to time as a producer of the show. He's also our technical director. Who's editing it today? Uh, is it Kevin? Or I believe it's Kevin, yes. Kevin King, our editor and, and of course, our executive producer. Uh, and CEO uh, Lisa Laporte. Thank you, all of you, for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Another twit is in the can. Bye-bye. This is amazing. Doing the twit. Doing the twit.